Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. When the world's full of care and every headline screams despair And all this rape, starvation, war, and life is vile Then there's certain thing to do which I shall pass along to you That always guarantees to make me smile I go As a light bulb battered bug Simply loody Sometimes phone shoot Life is well, bad itself. It'll chase those blues away. You can trade your gloom for a rubber room and injections twice a day. Just go loony, like a nasty casualty, or a moony, or a preacher on TV. When humor anxious face when the bomb hangs overhead when your kid turns blue it won't worry you you can smile and not instead when you're loony then you just don't give a fig man so puny and the universe so big if you hurt inside, get certified And if life should treat you bad Don't even get mad Sawete, I'm your host, Stella And this is Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast Episode 83 That's the Killing Joke Special, Part 2 The actual call-in show For July MMXIV Backroll to Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are September's Batgirl Futures N number one and Birds of Prey Futures N number one, both for two dollars and sixty-nine cents. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Batgirl to Oracle is also brought to you by TweakedAudio.com, high-performance noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBU Saves get 33% off their whole order and free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com. Plug in, turn up the volume, and give us a try. As I said before, this is the second part of the Killing Joke special, the call-in show. 
And as we enter the action, the first caller is Jason. Right now. Does that mean we hello? Can... Ooh, hello. What's up? You know, there's a um, there's a hard rock song, a heavy metal song, interpretation of the, the Joker song. And we're going to play that at the end of this episode. And when I heard it, I thought, Jason, he's going to love this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, you love heavy metal. do you? No, like I do. That? I'm yeah. awesome. That's what I thought. It wasn't a bad bad characterization. So you're our first caller. All right. So your name, where you're from, and when you first read the story. That's your first set of questions. First impressions of the story when you first read it, if you can remember. And then overall thoughts on the story. And did you have any opinions on what happened to Babs? Okay. Yes to everything. Okay. So let's start. Uh, my name's Jason. Uh, I'm from Detroit. And I first read this, I'm trying to think, it was, it was the first time I read it was like when I was first getting into comics, like 12, 13 years ago. So I guess I was like 13 or 14 at the time, which, which is probably a little younger to read The Killing Joke, but that was what they had at the library. And I was like, oh, hey, Batman. Um, <laughs> uh, I... I like the story. I mean, Al Alan Moore is, well, he was one of my favorite writers before he went off the deep end. I mean, I know he's always been crazy, but, like, after 1990, he really lost it. I guess kind of like Frank Miller lost it sometime around the 2000s. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, fan, a fan of Brian Bullen's art. You know, he, he's a, I know him from 2000 AD. He was a big Judge Dredd artist back in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've got a Scottish neighbor who introduced me to Judge Dredd. So I'm a fan of Brian Boland's art. Um, I, I think it's a really good Joker story. And I, I, I like the uh, kind of shows the some of the sim similarities between the Joker and Batman. How in their own way they're both a bit nuts. What were the other questions? Yeah, your, your first impressions when you read it? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was really, really dark. Uh, coloring. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, Jim Jim Gordon is stripped naked, and, and his daughter gets shot through the spine. I mean, you don't get much darker than that. I think this wasn't like a... I remember reading somewhere it was supposed to be like either an Elseworlds story or a non-continuity story, but I guess the exact... What, the editors liked it enough, they decided to keep it in continuity? Uh, I believe that, like, initially it was approached as just a random Batman story that wasn't necessarily beholden in continuity. Okay. I know that um, uh, they switched editors when they were making this. It was originally going to be edited by Lynn Wein, but by the time they saw print, Denny O'Neill was the editor at the time. Oh, okay. I, I've, I've always liked it, but I, I definitely thought it was one of the, the darker Batman stories. Uh, the thing I really like probably the most is, is when, when Joker's talking about his past. And I like this version of how he became the Joker, but I also like that it's not necessarily what happened. I, I think what he said is... If I'm going to have a choice, uh, no. If I'm going to have a past, I'd like it to be multiple choice. Mm -hmm. hey, we, didn't, we didn't bring that up, did we? No, we didn't. Because the Joker, the Joker is just that crazy. So, mm -hmm. and I don't love the Joker the way a lot of people do because I, I feel he tends to get overused. But this is probably my favorite Joker story, uh, and I think he's used really well in this. Did you find yourself feeling sympathetic for his his character in that backstory? And do you think that lessened what he did in the overall story? The backstory itself is sympathetic. Uh, does it uh, make me sympathetic towards what he did to Babs? Absolutely not. I mean, it doesn't make what he did somehow better. It's it's 
it's just as awful. <laughs> um, but but it does make it makes his backstory a bit more sympathetic. But mm-hmm. I don't feel it makes the character itself more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. So I know you love this story. So what are what are some? And I think you've been talking about it. But what are some reasons why you think this is such an awesome story and you love it so much? Ba- basically, I like its its version of of the Joker's history. I, I like his interactions with Batman, and uh, I kind of like the ambiguity of the ending where he, where he tells Batman the joke. And they just start laughing. And one inter- interpretation I've read is that it's supposed to be, you know, after this, Batman strangles him. And we don't see it. And since it's in, co- you know, well, okay, it was in continuity pre-New 52. I don't really know what its current standing is with New 52. That goes for a lot of things. But I, I kind of like the ambiguity of it. I, I just think it's a well-done story. I, I, I'm sad that Babs got shot, but I, I think... Uh, there were some good things that came out of that, even though that itself was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. I, I I would agree with you there. Do you think does Batman's character hold true to to what we know of him, especially at <laughs> the end? I mean, do you think that um, this is a logical step for him that you know he's going to continue to try to rehabilitate the Joker, even though all this other stuff happened? Did you just go like, do you agree that yeah, that makes sense, or did you have any trouble? Um, Kind of swallowing, digesting that. A bit of both, actually. I mean, I definitely think that's what Batman would do because Batman has this, you know, I'm never going to kill anyone code. The, the Joker is one of the villains that always bothers me with, just because every time the Joker gets out, he kill he kills like every guard in Arkham City, and then he sorry in Arkham <laughs> Arkham Asylum, Arkham City's the video game. And then, and then he kills, like, you know, a dozen people minimum every time he's out, and Batman's the only one who can stop him. And it's like, okay, well, if Batman can't kill him, why don't they just put him in the electric chair? So I understand why DC's ne- never going to kill the Joker. He's their most popular villain. But on a moral level, it does kind of bug me. Like, I feel, and I'm not saying we should do it for, it should be done for every villain, but, like, with, with Joker, he's just such an irredeemable monster. I think, yeah, they, they should just kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense that they don't. Yeah. But I understand why they can't for storytelling purposes. Yep. So, I, I guess my final question, do you think this is a story that every Batman fan, every Joker fan should read? If you're not as heavily steeped in... Like, for me, I mean, would you have recommended... Yeah, Stella, you should read this. Because <laughs> I mean, what do you think? <laughs> would you recommend this to, to general, like, Batman fans? Do you think this is a good story that encapsulates what Batman is about, what Joker is about? I think so. I mean, I, I might have been a little wary recommending it to you just because I know how much you love Batgirl. Ugh. and But, yeah, no, it, it's, it's worth recommending. But uh, to me, one of the best things that came out of that is, is you know, once... Um, I I, th- I think Babs got a lot more character development as Oracle mm-hmm. than than she did when she was just Batgirl. And and the other thing is like a, a, fr- a friend friend of mine, you know, he's he's in a wheelchair and he's a, he's a big comic book fan. And the character of Oracle meant a lot to him because just by the nature of superhero comics, you can't really have a lot of you know paralyzed or handicapped superheroes because you know superheroes are running around jumping and doing all these superhuman feats. And it it meant a lot to him that, that there was someone like him who was a really important character in the DCU and, you know, kind of became the information broker and could still be a hero despite, despite being disabled. And I know he was actually really, really pissed off when uh, they gave 
Barbara her legs back in the new 52. So, so I think having a character like that was really important. And I think it's a shame that they decided to make her Batgirl again instead of passing it off to mm-hmm. either Cassandra Kane or Stephanie Brown. Yeah. And I like Cat Cass better but than Stephanie wow. Brown. Oh, but... trying to butter up my co-host. <laughs> butter, 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 bread and butter. <laughs> I, I, I'm, Stephanie Brown's just not a character that really ever did it for me. It's, just, gotcha. it's not like I hate her or anything. She just doesn't interest me for some reason. Okay. Well, thanks so much for calling it. You are our first caller. So that was very exciting, Jason. So thank you so much for, for coming on and representing the positive aspects of the killing joke. Yes, thank, thank you for you. having me. Okay, talk to you later, Jason. Have fun. Look forward to listening to the episode. Okay, bye. Bye. Are we point scoring here? Are we still go? Oh, <laughs> we should. So we're still, we're still here. Okay, this works out. I do have, we're waiting for a very special guest, but I do have two, I'll do two short emails uh, that people wrote in. Uh, the first is actually from Christy Marks, uh, who writes Birds of Prey. Sadly, she won't be on that book anymore, but the book won't even be in existence, so I guess that's okay. And she says, all I can really say is that it was a story that shocked and disturbed me as it was meant to. So she gets mm, okay. right there. Uh, next from Gelu, G-E-L-U. A few years ago, I read The Killing Joke for the first time. My emotions were mixed. I'm surprised DC didn't censor the rear nude shots of Commissioner Gordon and Barbara. I also I saw Commissioner Gordon's penis in the shadow. <laughs> well, I just want to say that it's not only the, the bottom that you know. Is yeah, well, it's it's a blink and you miss it thing. I, I didn't catch it till recently, but um, yeah, it could have been the blue man, you know, Doctor Manhattan. So it wasn't that bad. Wasn't that big? Yeah. According to a website, he doesn't give it here, but original artwork had been found with a frontal naked top shot of Babs. Now, I actually saw that yesterday when I was oh, researching researching my. Uh, for this, I was never. I was not going to bring that up because that's great. Don't 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 look for that. It's not worth it. You actually see like nipples. There, yeah, there's a there's a complete full frontal shot of her. Oh my! And it's, it's 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 it's. I wish I'd never seen it. It's gruesome. <laughs> oh my and god! I, and I'm surprised that like Bolin thought that was that was ever going to play in a DC mainstream comic book. It makes me physically ill. Yeah. It is disgusting to think why a person would have that happen to a beloved character. Also, I never understood why Batman laughed. Some say he was so intense it slipped out. To me, that is stupid. If I was full of rage, I do not believe I would laugh at a joke that wasn't funny anyway. The positive, if it is really, is the book shows how sick Joker really is. Don't give up, stay strong, and keep podcasting, Stella. Who was that? That was Gelu, G-E-L-U. Oh, so uh, his, his last name is R-A-Z-R, and I didn't want to be bad and be like Razor or Razier. So I, I did the best I could. So I apologize if I mispronounced. You know how I did with Carmine Infantino. So. And um, what do you think about that, the intensity? I'm sorry, the intensity about what? Oh, uh, that Batman is just so intense and like pent up with rage and stuff that it's just like this really knee-jerk reaction, just like emotions got out of whack and he started laughing. I think that like a, an example of that actually being a lot more easier to swallow is in a Spider-Man story where he was fighting the Green Goblin at the end. They start talking. And they, there's been it's a very emotionally turbulent story, and Flash Thompson's been crippled, ironically. And um, at the end, they do laugh, but they, they've been like a, an emotional ringer. You don't see as much b- emotional reaction from Batman in this story, so it's a lot more out of left field. Okay, I guess we'll get into our next person. If they dare. Do you want to go with Chris? Chris Carnes here, who who writes the Batman sixty six reviews at the group call. Oh, him! Yeah, he replaced you as co-host. 
He's one of my minor cast members. I can't stand. Hi, Chris. He's. It's not even on. It's oh. ringing. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yay! Hooray. We were just talking about how you uh, wonderfully review those Batman '66 stories for for the show every month. Oh, bless you guys' heart. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing well. We're still trying to recover, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, name, where you're from, first time you read the story, and then what were your first impressions when you first read it, and then you can give overall thoughts on the story, and if you want to weigh in on on what happened to to Babs and Jim too, because that was disturbing. Okay, let's see. Uh, let me remember the order here. Chris, I'm from the Chicago suburbs. And I first read this story originally when it came out back in 1988, and the story was greatly anticipated and uh, very, very, very late. Uh, Brian Bolland was notorious for for being late. In fact, uh, there was a miniseries he did for DC a few years earlier called Camelot 3000, which started back in, uh, it was supposed to be a 12-issue miniseries, started in, I think, 1982 and didn't wrap up until, I think, uh, 1985 or 6. So just just goes to show, fans sort of knew what was going to happen to Barbara when this happened. and bits and pieces of artwork, if I recall correctly, sort of leaked out. So we had the scene where Batman goes to Arkham and he's got that confrontation with uh, who we think is the Joker. But we didn't know that at the time because when the artwork came out, there were no word balloons right there. But uh, it was just a nice taste to feel what to uh, what to expect. When I read the story, uh, I'm a huge Barbara Gordon Batgirl fan. I, I, I did not like the ultimate outcome. I, I kind of got the impression this was some editorial mandate that DC was sort of cleaning house up and down the board. That said, uh, the artwork was gorgeous. I, I know Brian Bolland has uh, since contested that he didn't like the colors that was done on the initial printing of The Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. I I thought uh, the colors were fine. I didn't necessarily have a problem with them. I have not seen the uh, subsequent uh, reprinted editions with with his approval that he colored the uh, an addition, later edition himself. It's such a violent story. Uh, we've we've really got some grotesque and disturbing things being done here. Uh, just just really blatant out violence. Now, Mile. The body count is only one person, if I if I did the math correctly. And we've had previous Joker stories where there have been a lot of uh, deaths and dead, a huge body count. There's only one one person I think that dies in this, and that's the uh, person who's uh, showing off the carnival to Joker uh, initially when the story begins. But just the the brutality and the grotesque things to done to Barbara and done to Commissioner Gordon was mind-blowing at the time to read and, and seeing it uh, so graphically displayed was was just a gut punch i, I really didn't know what to make of it it's sort of i, I like to think i I've, I've got a high tolerance for for seeing things uh, displayed in a story but that that was really 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 jarring when i read it at the time do you think this is a, a book that every bat fan should should read i i have to think it, it it should be on every bat fan's uh, bookshelf. That said, though, I, I think it, while it may not necessarily be the greatest Alan Moore story, though, in my opinion. Uh, a couple years earlier, he came out with a story called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which I highly recommend. Uh, the premise of that story being Alan Moore was asked to pen, well, if you were going to finish out 
the classic Superman run, how would you finish it? And he, he did that. So I highly recommend. (laughs) Yeah. So I, if you, if you can find the trade of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow written by Alan Moore with art by Kurt Swan, I, I think that's a much better story to have on your shelf by, if you're looking for Alan Moore stuff. Uh, putting a few more things into context, too, the cover price of the first printing of The Killing Joke was only $3.50. Uh, the price of a standard size U.S. comic at the time in 1988 was only $0.75. Cents. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, we've come kind of a long way when you can kind of pick up a comic now for three fifty, and back then this was three fifty. Do you have any thoughts on why he laughed at the end, Batman? And what happened at the end? Because I guess we were talking about some, I mean, did, did Batman kill Joker? Uh, you know, what happens? I didn't get that impression when I initially read the story. I thought these were t- two characters that were going to continue. I, I did not get the impression that he killed the Joker at the end. I merely thought he apprehended him per uh, Gordon's wishes, and that would sort of go against Batman's code. In fact, when I initially heard that as a theory, I, I, I wonder where, where that came from, because I, I, didn't, I didn't get that at all when that happened. Have you reread it recently? I reread it. Funny you ask, uh, Donovan. I reread it just before we went on air, um, and <laughs> it still still holds up. Uh, I I I I have forgotten how great the ball and artwork was, and uh, Alan Moore threw a bloody term in there. So I thought, oh, there's there's the British uh, stuff leaking through there, and it wasn't. Uh, it, it's still. A freaking violent book, even by I think today's standards. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- I th- yeah. Other than that, though, I, I I I think when I initially read the Killing Joke, I was so disturbed by the violence and, and the outcome that I just put it away. In fact, I haven't reread it since until just before the podcast, and I, I kind of am more in a better place now, knowing what to expect and the outcome. That said, it was still just a bit unnerving and uh, a little too violent. And I always liked the Barbara Gordon character, and I wondered, well, is she going to be paralyzed for life? Uh, they, they, I think the doctor said there's a chance she could walk, but it didn't look good. Um, I, as we've seen in comics, everything tends to be cyclical now, and you know, if you don't like a character or a version, it, it very well may crop up again. Did you like the the backstory uh, for the Joker? Did you? Even though it was so violent, everything that else had happened, did you sympathize with the character and everything that happened to him during those few hours of that day? Yeah, if memory serves, I don't think we've seen up to that point uh, a, a Joker origin really embellished upon with that much detail and and, and uh, thought provoking. Yeah, th- this was a, a sympathetic character. Uh, he's uh, coerced into do a, a a crime that right up until the the point that he doesn't seem to have to carry out that now, but mm-hmm. he still has to go go ahead and do it. I think we've touched upon some of the previous origins, like with the early Golden Age uh, story with the Red Hood and how that came into play, and I thought how that was executed was really, really well done on Alan Moore's part right there. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't mention that, like, this Red, story, this Red Hood thing is like a take on, I don't remember what story it is, but like the Silver Age story was introduced... Ah, did you know that Batman and the Joker originally met when he was a Red Hood, you see? Like, this was a big, like, Silver Age callback. It wasn't really, like, in the history up until Moore brought it back here. Well, thank you so much for calling yeah, in, of, Chris. Couple oh, couple thoughts real yeah. quick. You know, just uh, real quickly before I get off, I just wanted to say, you know, for, for a little bit of trivia, the first printing of The Killing Joke had the title in, on the cover in these bright green-colored letters, and it, it did say first printing on the inside cover. 
subsequent printings had the cover title lettering in different colors, like the second printing had pink, and then the third printing had yellow, and the fourth was orange, and so on. And a lot of people, I think, when they heard the news and got on board with the book, they bought a fifth printing, thinking it was the first, and it, there was such a it was it was sort of you almost needed a little scorecard to tell you which version you got until you took it home and maybe opened the inside cover and found out oh I've got a seventh printing instead of a first and what have you. There's another little bit that I liked, too. There was a framed picture in the Bat Cave that showed the old version of the Bat family, and I thought that was sort of really telling that sort of kind of bridged the gap to uh, a standard Batman that we know, and then we're sort of going into a darker place now. That 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 photo rep- encapsulated a memory of a time of Batman that we weren't going to go back to, and I think that that was very important. Uh, the picture had Ace the Bat Hound on it. There was a picture of Batwoman. Uh, Betty, the Betty Kane version of Batgirl was on there. And originally, that artwork was used as the Bat cover to Batman Annual Number Two, and it was used again as the Bat cover artwork to Batman Annual Number Seven. One other thought I had was there was nothing on this book, the original version, to indicate that this was intended for mature readers. Uh, people would pick this really? up, and yeah. There was just nothing there to show that there was no mature reader's label on this. Uh, so it was. DC it was, are idiots. Yeah, yeah. So here you are. You, you buy this 350 comic book thinking you're going to get this Joker story that anyone could have picked up at the comic book store. Uh, and if you if you, the seller was not any wiser, that you're going to give a story to possibly a kid showing uh, graphic displays of Barbara Gordon and James Gordon here with. Mm. Uh, things going on so mm-hmm. we've, we've come a long way with labeling the comic books from from 1988 i have i have comics around that time where they advertise the killing joke and i thought i remember seeing suggested for mature readers but maybe that was like my 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 wistful imagination yeah if if it did that could very well be uh i'm looking at a first print right now and there's just nothing on the front or back cover to say mature readers at all on it though so Mm-hmm. Really interesting how how uh, things have changed. Yeah. Well, as always, you always bring the history in, which I really appreciate because I think you certainly have a depth that I don't have, and I always learn a lot from from the things you bring in. So thanks again. Good talking to you both. I really yeah. hope we can do this again soon, soon sometime. Oh, you Thank bet. You. But thanks again so much for, for calling in. Great talking to you guys. We've got to do it again sometime. You bet. Take care. You thanks a lot. Too. Okay, we have John. John Ostrander is, is ready to go. So between that happens uh, a reader email, which was short, uh, from Chris Luke. He says, hi, Stella. Love the show. Have just read The Killing Joke. And while I do not like what they did to Barbara Gordon in the story, I think it was a very good story. And as Oracle, Babs becomes a much better character after the story than she was before. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the book next episode. I think that's basically the the thought just that this terrible thing happens and I think if we ignore the <laughs> ignore the sexual assault just the focusing on the shooting this terrible thing happens but from it arises this great and strong character and I think if we are to sort of get past it we do have to look on the horizon and 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 see what hap- you know what <laughs> came of it what came of it so the darkness is always before the dawn yeah BTO listener this is a very special moment about to have John Ostrander here and he is he's a prolific writer but he also he has done Batgirl as Oracle he was probably the first person to do it in Suicide Squad so here we go <laughs> are you excited I'm, I, I'm thrilled does he know does he know you're calling him yes oh. hello hello is that you Stella oh you bet it is sir oh at last I'm sorry I 
it's been so long since I've actually used Skype that they decided that I had an outmoded version and wouldn't let me onto it. Hey, that is okay. Skype is annoying for you if you use it once or if you use it every day. So yeah. I totally understand. This is quite an honor. My co-host and I, Donovan, we're just super happy and, and really almost awestruck to have you on because we really respect your work and, and what you did with Oracle. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, uh, that's not it, that's not a problem. And I'll see what I can do to lower your respect so you feel more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's possible. So, oh, when, sure it is. I, oh. I, I can give you references. So, just for people who don't know you, what have you done? What are you most known for? You know, in the in the comics world. Oh, geez. Um, well, they might know because of the trade paperbacks out right now of my work on the Spectre, um, Martian Manhunter. Uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, I, uh, I co-created um, Amanda Waller, who's been all over the place lately. That she and, has, yeah. And, uh, and of course, uh, I and my late wife, Kim Yale, uh, took a broken Barbara Gordon and turned her into Oracle. Which is amazing. When was the first time you read Killing Joke, and what were your first reactions? Well, I, I probably got it in the DC bundle. Uh, um, that's the comp bundle that they send out. And uh, I was doing plenty of work for DC at the time, so it probably would have come to me there. And Kim and I both read it, and um, while I think the creators on it, Brian Bolland and uh, Al Moore, are tremendous, tremendous talents, legends, um, titans in the industry, it really annoyed us. Um, <laughs> we felt that um, shooting Barbara was gratuitous. We felt that uh, it didn't make sense. If he's the police commissioner, he doesn't have anybody watching his apartment, so the Joker can just walk up to his front yes, door. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, his front door doesn't have a hole to look out into the hall. doesn't have any chains on the door. And, uh, and Barbara, giggling and laughing, just goes to the door and just opens it up without even bothering to look and check to see. This is Barbara Gordon. This was yeah. Batgirl. Mm -hmm. And she's just going to open the door this is Gotham, you know, and doesn't occur to to her to like check who might be on the other side of that door. That just didn't make sense to us. Also, we felt that given how she was shot, she should be dead. Mm, uh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, basically, shot out her spine, and uh, the shock from that alone could kill you. Uh, septus could easily set set in. Um, the odds of actually surviving that. Are poor, and then when we see her later in the hospital, she's been beaten. Mm -hmm. You know, she's showing facial bruises, uh, and there's and there's even, to my mind, suggestion of rape. So, um, no, we weren't particularly keen on that. Yeah. And then, and then, Batman and the Joker towards the end have a laugh together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts on? We've been asking people who have coming on like. What is what is that about? Do you have any thoughts on why he left? You write an issue about that, that that had Barbara actually directly addressed to Batman. Did I hear that you and Joker laughed? Was it in like Batman Chronicles or something? That's when we did Oracle Year One with Brian Stelfreeze. Mm -hmm. uh, it was actually the last work that my late wife Kim Yale and I did together. Mm -hmm. So it was our last story. Uh, and it was published in um, uh, Batman Chronicles, I believe. Yeah, Batman shows up in her hospital room. And she basically... Let's him have it, mm -hmm. and he leaves without a word, at least in our version. So, yeah, uh, as to why, 
uh, why I think, and again, I don't want to put anything into anybody's mouth or or, or, or things. Uh, but maybe what was being suggested is that Batman and Joker are the flip sides of the same coin, and that they understand one another, and that's why they shared a laugh together. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's that you better you do better to to ask the creators. Yeah, so what how did it all come about that you took this character and you created her into this beloved oracle? Well, Kim and I both felt that it was not a good way to just sort of dismiss Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt that uh and we checked with the bad office and they had no further plans to use her at that time. So we decided, well, okay, how can how can we use her? You know, uh, and we decided, okay, one of the things that I've given about Barbara is that she's very good with computers. You know, she's a genius level um, mm-hmm. in computers. And how uh, and what and we were also very firm that at the time that we wanted to make sure that it had consequences that the shooting had consequences. You know that uh, we felt that at the very least. You know the damage to her should be permanent, so that uh, she can't just get up and walk it off. Um, so, so we we had her survive certainly, but we had her in a wheelchair. And having done that, we decided that we would do something that wasn't in the DC universe at that time. That's an information broker. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we felt that if we did this right, because we were going to introduce her in the Suicide Squad. And if we did this right, she is something that people in the uh, other creators in the DCU would find useful, because um, instead of having their their main characters, including Batman, having to spend a couple pages running around trying to find out this information or that information, they can simply go to um, to Oracle. But at the same time, we we decided when we would first introduce her that we would do it so that. Oracle appeared on a screen, but you didn't know right away who was behind Oracle. Right. And so we spent several, you know, we spent considerable time in the squad introducing her, but without uh, showing who it was. And finally, we had a, uh, a strong hint when, when you saw Oracle's computer thing and you saw that she had a Batgirl doll mm-hmm. uh, there. And it's like, okay, we are telling you, but yeah. You know, uh, and eventually we just made it big, blatant, official. And uh, she went on to become just a massively important character. Yeah, you bet. In fact, for, uh, we felt that for a long time that she was more effective, uh, that Barbara was more effective as a Batgirl, or as, as Oracle than she had ever been as Batgirl. Mm-hmm. I will say Gail Simone has done wonders with the Batgirl character. And with mm. uh, and with Barbara, and has worked all of this in, as well. So uh, uh, kudos to her. Yeah. What do you think that you guys made Barbara a separate identity? Did you have any thoughts about? Because this started happening uh, towards the end of the nineties into the thousands. They replaced Barbara as Batgirl with initially Helena Bertinelli, but they had the Cassandra Cain Batgirl. Then later on, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl. Did you have any thoughts toward like the different versions of Batgirl that stemmed along? Do you think that like that was a role only meant for Barbara, or do, were you happy with her just being Oracle? Well, I was of course very happy with her being Oracle. Uh, again, because we wanted to make sure that there was in fact a um, a result, you know, like a consequence to what happened in the Killing Joke. 
Uh, also, there was no one like her out there. You know, uh, uh, a hero who was you know, truly handicapped. And we heard from many, many people in the handicapped community how much Oracle meant to them. Mm -hmm. um, when we did the Oracle year one, Kim was very clear, and we spent a whole page just showing how difficult it was for Barbara to get from her um, wheelchair just into the back seat of a car. You know, we wanted to show you know that there were things to overcome, and that she did it, and that she was as much or, or, or even more of a hero than she had ever been before. When you first initially brought her into a uh, Suicide Squad. As you mentioned, it was kind of like kept to be who was an Oracle character. And then she finally had a conversation with Batman. And Batman, you know, knowing who Oracle was. Uh, I remember an, uh, Oracle became more and more of an integral member of the Bat family, specifically as the years went on. Yeah. But um, you kind of kept her a bit to the side. She was not really part of Batman's clique. She was sort of her own, own person. Did you have any thoughts about if she deserves to be like, you know, in the Batcave and give him stuff, that knowing his identity, which uh, she, he's, he, he confesses to her in the killing joke, or did you prefer her as her own sort of individual agent? Uh, well, well, of course, you know, uh, having her become part of the Bat family again, I think was not inappropriate. You know, I mean, certainly she came from that. Uh, and it was interesting to us that, um, that she became so popular that a character who was not going to be part of the Bat family anymore, except very, very on the fringes, became a very integral member, uh, not only to her, uh, uh, not only to uh, Batman, but to the Justice League, and eventually starred in her own series, Birds of Prey. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Back to Killing Joke, did you have any thoughts on, on the way um, Batman went around <laughs> in that story? Uh, whether it was in the beginning where he tried to broker a meeting with Joker, and then at the end where he continues to try to broker a meeting and rehabilitate Joker even after everything had happened. Did you have any problems with that given his relationship with Babs and especially Jim Gordon? Again, I, I don't. I'm not looking to critique another person's work. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, that's a take on the Batman. When you look at it, you do wonder, is the Joker more important to Batman than uh, Barbara or, or Commissioner Gordon? And maybe that's the point that the, that the author was trying to make. You know, uh, that the, the Joker really, in many ways, defines Batman even more than Barbara or uh, Commissioner Gordon did, and if so, is that not is, is that necessarily a bad story? I don't think so. I think the story is, you know, aside from the part with Barbara, I think mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think it's a very very powerful story. You know, uh, it certainly is a classic in comics. I just have some problems with it. Right. Do you think Babs could have become? Was she on the path somehow to become? Oracle, even without the killing joke, because we had seen, you know, she was retiring, and even before that, in the crisis, pre-crisis, she was sort of losing sight of who she was and felt she wasn't doing a good job. So do you think this was like a natural evolution of the character, that she was going to become bigger, something bigger than just the Bat-mantle and, and be able to be this broker of information and, and talk to everyone? I think, I think that's possible, but I think being shot like that mm. gave her something to prove. Mm. that um, would she have done that or would she have gone more into the political theater, you know, like, um, not not used a secret identity at all? Uh, would she become 
a Steve Jobs type type figure. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's possible, but I think in terms of the heroic fiction community, you know, she wouldn't have been as big a part of it, perhaps. Um, I I think very definitely what happened to her in the Killing Joke provided a strong impetus for her to prove something, at least to herself. You know, uh, uh, and the fact that uh, she could be effective and important in in that in that community, uh, and she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and um, your wife Kim uh, sound like you guys were really upset naturally uh, as a result. Did you? I guess you guys didn't know going into as the story is being written. Did the DC offices know at the time? Because uh, we've learned later on through Barbara Kiesel that the reason why she retired Barbara was that it was known uh, going into it that she would be paralyzed. So was there any in the DC offices knowledge that this is going to happen to this character? And if so, was there any sort of um, arguing for or against it? Or I should say against there were any writers in the rooms or the offices bothered by what was going to happen in the story? Do you remember? I uh, I honestly have no idea. Uh, uh, if so, then that went that went on in the offices. Uh, I was not pr- uh, privy to that knowledge before the story came out as to what was going to happen to Barbara. And I don't know whether or not they intended for her to be crippled or dead or just retired or what. Mm-hmm. Um, that I wasn't part of that conversation, so so I really can't com- uh, comment to it. Yeah, I think you know certainly everyone that writes in and, and that we talk to, um, they're able to overlook this, you know, to a certain extent because they know what has come out of it. And I think that's just, you know, the fact that this happened is a terrible travesty and it's awful. But to know that Oracle came from this and Oracle was just such a great character for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, just thank you so much for bringing her uh, and, and keeping her. I mean, as a, a lover of Barbara Gordon, thank you for keeping her alive and, and giving her a purpose again and, and perhaps a greater purpose than uh, she served as as Batgirl. So I really appreciate it as a fan. Uh, so thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for, so much. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, honestly, you know, like we obviously, Kim and I both had a fondness uh, for the character. You know, and I think we simply channeled some fan outrage. Uh, but we decided to do, you know, anything that's bad that happens can be made useful, I think. And I think that was the main thrust of the story of Barbara Gordon becoming Oracle, is that you can take something that that is just horrible, just horrible that happens to you personally, mm-hmm. and 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 do something with it. And I think that's in part. It's not just the fact that she was a useful plot tool, but I think I think that's where she resonated with uh, so many fans. Mm-hmm. That was that. You know, we all have things that happen to us, and she became. You know, I mean, just as Bruce had the death of his parents, and um, and responded to it eventually by becoming Batman. Barbara's real change into Oracle that became something that was very personal, something that, a personal tragedy, and I don't think her Batgirl came out of a personal tragedy uh, originally. Yeah, and I think the very fact that she's a stronger Batgirl now is because of the tragedy that she suffered that made her Oracle for a while. Well, I'm just in awe of you that I, I can't <laughs> even c- c- come up with any other questions. Do you have any other you know, thoughts either on The Killing Joke or Oracle? I hope that you and I 
can can touch base uh, again later on down the line once I'm starting to review Suicide Squad just to get um, a more in-depth thing on that. But this just was such a pleasure and an honor to have you call in and, and talk to us. Oh, yeah, uh, really. You know, it's a pleasure uh, to talk about it. You know, um, Barbara was always one of my favorite characters as well. Um, we always enjoyed working with Oracle and the mm-hmm. fact that I mean, she went on TV for crying out loud when yeah, the first yep. series went on. So, you know, that's when you start something, you're not quite sure what the reaction is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that was certainly true when we started with Oracle, and the fact that she became so important to the to the fans to and to the DCU, and went so far. You know, you know that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a tribute to the fans. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I actually have one final question, and just just sure. it's almost a little off topic. But you mentioned earlier that you created Amanda Waller, and you mentioned that Oracle found a, her way on the Birds of Prey television show. She cameoed in the Batman cartoon because Oracle was Barbara Gordon, who was previously established character, but you created her moniker. Do you see any sort of like residual uh, compensation for that, since she is no. a character that's been used in media? You don't? No, no. Uh, any character that has been used before, or at least this is what I've been told. For instance, the fact that we recreated Manhunter, you know, the fact that you recreate mm. other characters. If the name already exists or the character already exists, then it's not a new creation, and from what I understand, there isn't participation. Okay, um, so with Oracle, you wouldn't... Did you think about Amanda Waller? Oh, uh, yes, I do get participation with Amanda Waller. Uh, so I love seeing Amanda <laughs> walk all around yep. the world. Oh, yeah. Smallville, yeah. Smallville, Just uh, Green Lantern movie, Arrow. Yep, you bet. That's a great show. Yeah, so, so mm-hmm. that that pleases me no end. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. know, it shows some money in my direction. Uh, <laughs> say no. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, thanks again for taking time out of your day to to talk with us. Thank you so Quite much. Right. Quite all right. You know, uh, and uh, and you have a good day and uh, enjoy talking with you. Yes, thank you. You too. Take okay. care, sir. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh my goodness! I think that may have just happened. Pinch me in my drink. No, that was awesome. Oh, uh, I'm giving you like high fives across. <laughs> well, wow. I mean, short of Alan Moore, who better to talk about that than um, John Ostrander? And it was great to get his perspective of just like his viewing of the Killing Joke and and how that spurned, you know, what would happen and how he would create Oracle. So that was great. That was fantastic. You bet it was. And every person who comes after him is going to be a letdown and disappointing. Oh my, yeah, let's call Josh right now. We <laughs> 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 know he's going to be the worst one. Who is my? Um, is it my uh, need to go immediately? Well, I haven't seen any anybody. I was thinking maybe Miller number one. I think he's he was one of the first ones on. Before we call someone else, we've got uh, another. Fame, I, I like to think he's famous. Scott Beatty, the co-author of Robin, Year ah. One, Batgirl, Year One, Nightwing, Year One, and Joker, Last Laugh, as well as various other assorted tales, including Batman, Gotham Knights. Uh, so he wrote in. I was very happy to, to have him. I'm glad he had time to do this. So he said, here are my thoughts. Killing Joke will always resonate for me because it finally punctuated the point of why doesn't Batman try to rehabilitate the Joker? He gives Catwoman a pass every time she bats her eyelashes at him. Very true. Uh-huh. He's had Bruce Wayne pay for reconstructive surgery in a vain attempt to fix Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face. But the Joker just gets shipped off to Arkham every time with a broken jaw. 
Alan wrote a very complex tale in which we get a possible origin for the Joker, but not one in which we're ultimately sympathizing with the villain. His insanity isn't excused, and Batman pushed to the limit after the Joker does the unthinkable to Barbara Gordon and her father, exercises near impossible restraint playing by the book with a villain who never plays by the rules. The Joker's prison break tale is the best punchline in any Bat tale. How can he trust Batman when, ultimately, the world is one big killing joke? So that's a, new, that's a different interpretation than what we were thinking about. And for my money, the ending is all about Batman and Joker laughing as the GCPD arrive in force for Mr. J's arrest. Fade to black. Forget the internet debate. There is no break and neck. There's no break and neck. The ending is that the dance continues. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, and I, that goes with my, my trust thing. That's exactly what I was thinking. Just like I think trust really is symbolic in that light beam. Yeah, yeah. what do you think about it? I think think it's interesting because he, he really seems like he, Mr. Beatty takes really straight – the fact that like he does do the unthinkable to the Gordons and Batman does show near impossible strength. So maybe maybe we're taking this not as a you know, that was a bad writing aspect as a, an intentional thing that we need to analyze. And we're kind of just like because this is this story that can't take place in its own little bubble. We try to look at it from one way where maybe we're meant to look at it another way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I if my mind has enough time to really exercise that. I'm gonna have to listen back to it and come back to you later on it. But I think that's mm-hmm. certainly an interesting point of view. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now to have someone that I don't know. <laughs> so stranger danger beware. <laughs> well, I don't know. So, I sure love to hear he's that. From my state, though, I, I I I believe, and he likes Jane Austen and Miyazaki, so he seems like he could be a cool cat. So okay, here we go. Is he on? Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Sorry that we had you waiting in there for a little bit. I apologize for that. Oh, no hurry. So, first question, what is your name, where are you from, and when did you first read The Killing Joke? My name is Ian. I'm from Minnesota, although I currently live in Virginia. Oh, I also live in Virginia. That's why I said that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. And I first read The Killing Joke, I believe, about four or five years ago. I think I was in a graphic novels class in grad school, and I just got it from the library because I was reading a couple other Batman books. Oh, okay. Sorry, that was me. Um, what were your first reactions when you first read that story? That's a little tricky since it's one of those books where you know it had impacted everything, so I already knew almost everything that happened. So I wasn't a big fan of it when I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt a little dated in terms of the art and the writing style. And I'm not a big fan of Alan Moore in general, so that didn't really help anything. What are your overall thoughts? I mean, once you get past those gut reactions, uh, what did you think, I guess, about the rest of the story? Maybe Batman's character and everything? And then what did you think about what happened to, to Barbara Gordon and, and Jim Gordon as well? I think that, for all my complaints, it's a very powerful story. Um, the image of the Joker opening the door in his tourist <laughs> get-up is, yeah. is definitely one of those things that just sticks with you. And uh, it is overused in comics, especially in the early thousands, but it mm-hmm. was overused for a reason. I mean, it was 
terrifying. I thought the weird back, uh, Joker backstory thing was... It was reasonably clever. I also enjoyed the exploration into James Gordon's strength. I just... Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really find the resolution that interesting. Um, the idea that Joker and Batman are two sides of the same coin and not that different from each other. I, I like my heroes a little more distant from my villains, so that I wasn't that interested in that. Did you? What do you? What are your thoughts on the laughing at the end? Do you have any theories as to why they're laughing? Well, I mean, I think that's just uh, the two sides of the same coin thing. I think that okay. it's showing that the Batman is. There's a kinship between him and Joker. They're both outside of society. They both do extreme things, even if they're for different motivations. And so it's supposed to show a sort of connection between the two. And mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of connecting between the Batman gotcha. and Joker. Yeah, just keep them. Your apples and your oranges separate. What about yeah. uh, what about Joker's backstory? Did you have any thoughts about his origin? Or yeah, his I thought it one was potential uh, origin. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the multiple choice Yeah, thing. yep. I thought it was reasonably clever. I think I like it better than what happened with the Batman movie by Tim Burton. I, I'm not... I didn't really enjoy seeing the circle thing in the Batman movie, so I like this a bit better. Because it's sort of multiple choice and we're not sure if it's Joker's psychosis, I'm not sure how much weight to put on it. Okay. Uh, Don, do you have any thoughts? Or any well, I mean, um... I guess I, it was just kind of like when, when Stella and I back were bitterly arguing about it. <laughs> And like, like she just said, they're trying to coerce you into giving Joker a sympathetic origin. I think that's sort of like the weight that should be put on it because it's like the fir the first time really that like the sort of idea of this deranged madman madman being like this before has been addressed. But because it is uh, the whole multiple choice thing, it is sort of like you know, was that a gigantic waste of time? I don't know. So uh, that's just my comment. I don't know if I have any uh, questions towards anything else he said. Mm -hmm. Do you like Batman in this particular story? No, I don't okay. like Batman very much in this story. Why? Because uh, I, I don't either. So what are your thoughts? He's too detached. I mean, again, mm -hmm. Moore seems to envision Batman as this, this outsider from society. He's not really attempting to uh, help society so much as he's lashing out because of his uh, traumatic past. And so I like a Batman who is, of course, severely damaged. I mean, you can't go through the loss of your parents like that without some kind of uh, trauma, but he's also firmly committed to making Gotham a better place, not just uh, fighting crime. And so some a Batman who is this detached from even his closest friend Jim Gordon that he can laugh with his arch enemy as Jim Gordon's daughter is paralyzed and Jim Gordon himself was tortured, that is not a Batman I can admire or like. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, well, don't know. What's not to like him? Okay, fine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, any other thoughts, Ian, that you have on the story? Or anything? Uh, or well, I came to it. I, and the reason I checked it out was because I'm a huge Oracle fan. I loved Simone's mid thousands run Birds of mm -hmm. Prey. I loved yeah. how she came from such a. Like, I love that she's an example of consequences. So often comic stories are devoid of consequences. You just reboot or you mm -hmm. um, ignore what happened in the past. And Oracle is a consequence of something that happened. So while I don't like the story and I don't like the execution, I really appreciate that this is one of the stories where it changed people's lives. It changed Batgirl's lives. It changed Batman's life himself because his guilt over what happened to Gord, uh, Barbara and Jim really runs throughout the 90s and early thousands and 
I think that adds a really positive thing when it's written by someone else. To his his retcon guilt. <laughs> yeah, his retcon guilt. Like in the the Oracle Year One, which I'm hoping mm-hmm. you're going to read in the next couple of podcasts. That's a fantastic look at consequences mm-hmm. to not only Barbara but to Batman's character himself. You know, that raises a good point as to do I read it right away or do I wait until it was published? So that's a... Because it was not necessarily published right after, right? I think it was published two years later. Was Killing Joke 89? 88. 88. Yeah, three years later because I think it was 91. And okay. I, I'm not that up on to check. Yeah. how many things happened between 88 and 91 for yeah. Barbara Gordon. Yeah. You're probably right that that would be the logical one. I'll have to check my intense spreadsheet that makes me nervous when I look at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are some like Suicide Squad stuff that happens, I think, before um, the origin. Oh, that's right. She but, sort of shows up seriously, right? Yeah. because Oh, it happens. Oracle Year One is 96. Oh, really? Yeah, so, because it's uh, Batman Chronicles, so that was a later, yeah. um, a later section of writing. So, so yeah, I, I guess I'll have to figure that out. I'll have to think about. I mean, do you? What would you prefer? Would you think that I should do that first because it's right out of the bat, and then go to Suicide Squad? Is that something that you would prefer? Well, it's a it's a very short story, and it's really lovely. Um, and I think it just caps. I mean, it's a great way to launch into the Oracle era. I think. Because Suicide Squad can be really dark. So going from Killing Joke to Suicide Squad, I think with a little breather of Oracle Year One might be mm-hmm. positive. I would agree with that. I think it's, that's a, it would be a good idea to go to Oracle Year One yeah. as sort of a springboard towards it. You bet. And since she lashes out at Batman for all the reasons I lashed out at Batman, <laughs> it'll be great. <laughs> Which you'll hear about. Uh, well, thank you so much, Ian, for coming on and, and taking time out of your, your Saturday. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll have some sort of call in soon. And thank you. I before I called you, I was like, I have no idea who Miller Number One is, and I said this to Donovan embarrassingly. But then I realized, Ian, you write in a lot, and I'm really appreciative. I think either on the site or like you email. So I'm really appreciative that you, that you write in and ask questions and comment and stuff. Oh yeah, I'll definitely keep doing that. Okay, thanks again, and right. take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Well, that's great that we talked about Oracle Year One, and you know, he now Ian can be proud because he has set the podcast on a specific direction. Thank, yeah, I think, I, I think I agree with him that like uh, it's a nice catharsis after you rail against the Dark Knight in this story. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we should do an audio drama. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <my friend. laughs> well, let me pick the person I despise most in the world to be Batman. Oh, look, here's Josh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what did he ever do to you? You know what's funny is because you're on the phone with me, I can't really. Well, I could, you know, but I, I've been. Oh, you, you, you can't, nice like, you know, mess you. on Josh? Yeah. So I just got to. Well, I got to pick on somebody else. So now it's Josh. We're going to add Jesse. And you know Jesse. Who? Yes. <laughs> Him again. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off as though we're doing an episode together. Hello. Hello, and welcome back to the next dimension, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, give yeah. me a break. <laughs> you know, Jesse, I started off this entire episode. Probably Don doesn't think I'm going to have it within my podcast, but it'll probably make it in. And I said that listeners either need to drink my Kool-Aid 
or DBZ Kool-Aid, your guys' Kool-Aid, and they should trust me because I know all about Dragon Ball Z, and you guys just host a podcast with a pack of lies. Do you have any comments on that before we get into Killing Joke? Get her. Such betrayals. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. I'm at work listening to this, uh, isn't this like a a Betty Kane podcast, right? Oh! I think it is. Yeah, it's uh, from Bat Dash Girl to Obscurity, right? You know, <laughs> so I'm listening to this, working, and I hear this asinine description of so-called Dragon Ball Z, and like I'm just, I'm rolling on the floor laughing. My coworker's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Go about your day." You know, I did the best I could. It is a convoluted story. Yes, it is. But yeah, so what? <laughs> I, I did the best I could with Vegeta and Piccolo and Vegeta. <laughs> you, uh, I, I oh, keep. He, re- dropped, he dropped the call. <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean he hung up, or the call actually dropped? You disgusted him so much. So <laughs> probably have dropped. Remember when I used to do that on the crawl space to be all dramatic, girly? Possibly. Well, I don't remember. Oh, the, the... no, you weren't involved in the inner circle. Jesse, did you get Hello, upset back? with righteous anger and you dropped the call? Uh, yes, that, that was. <laughs> uh oh. We're going to have a bit of an issue, aren't we? Yo, uh, are you using your uh, Skype phone? Yes, I'm not at home, so um, let's see. What is this? How is he talking to us? Through science. Yeah, it's through science. Okay. Is it, oh, um... he's actually on. Oh, it's working. Okay. Um, now I'm just super nervous. First of all, Donovan has something to say to you. Uh-oh. Congratulations on your engagement, pal! Yeah. Oh, thank you. He wanted to announce it at the beginning of my show, and I'm like, um, well, it doesn't make sense to do that, because no one knows who Jesse is, so maybe we <laughs> should wait until we actually, you know, introduce Jesse. So, yeah, congratulations, that's great. Is she a Dragon Ball Z fan? She's more of a Sailor Moon fan. Ooh, okay. Is there are there going to be problems there that you know? Uh, no, we we don't have beef. Okay, okay. She, she does own Dragon Ball Evolution, right? <laughs> yes, yes. She watches she watches the show and rolls her eyes with me. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, so we know we know you're Jesse. Jesse, where are you from? When did you first read The Killing Joke, and what were your first reactions? Uh, I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I read it in high school. I think it was sophomore year. I know I was a, I know I wasn't a senior yet. My first reactions, I'm not a DC guy. So I I just read DC sparingly. So I got this book, read it, and it was so dark and I it just kind of I was like, okay, is this the example? Is this what DC's about? You know, is this what Batman is? Is this that <laughs> All the time. Uh, so it was a, it was a good story. I enjoy it. That being said, I do I do have problems with it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's perfect. <laughs> Okay. By by far. What are what are your biggest problems with this story? This story should not be in continuity, if you ask me. Okay. Okay. And uh, apparently, it wasn't initially, right? Is that is that what I heard? I think the idea of it going going when they was writing being written, it wasn't like made made to strictly be in continuity, but the editors kind of put in continuity. Because I I reread it uh, earlier today, and there were a few things that just stood out, and then. I just don't like that they build up Joker's character at the expense of Barbara. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that, that's how I feel. It's like you shouldn't have to throw one under the bus or throw a character who's had so much development under the bus to tell a good Joker story. I don't think it's the best Joker story. It's just a good one. Mm-hmm. 
That just seems kind of disingenuous. And I like Alan Moore. I don't think he's the best thing ever, but I like him generally. But yeah, I don't th- think this should have been shoehorned into continuity. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Batman's character? He didn't. He didn't seem to shine in this. Like, he he seemed almost like an afterthought. Like, oh, let's make a Joker book, and we'll put Batman in there. I like his determination, and I like that he listens when Gordon tells him to do it by the books. Even though you kind of get the idea that that's not the easiest thing for him to do at this point. Mm-hmm. And like, I imagine that if there was ever a instance of him breaking his code of not killing, it would be. In this instance. Mm-hmm. I agree. Any thoughts on the joke at the end? What does the joke mean? And why does Batman laugh? You know, I reread that. I reread it today. And then I reread that page like two or three times. Because I was like, this has to mean something. Like, you know, I got to wrap my head around this. Mm-hmm. Because you have that great, the last three panels, they have the stream of light. So it's like, what what is this supposed to signify? Yeah. Is this saying that he gets... On some level, he, he feels compassionate to the Joker because you kind of get the duality of both of them being broken to some extent throughout the story, which I like. But I also like that he, he pretty much calls Joker out that, no, it's not one bad day. It's you. You failed. Any any questions for him? Do, uh, whatever your face is, Donovan? <laughs> whatever my face is. <laughs> I... Uh, yeah. Well, rereading the story, has your opinion of it changed? Oh, my? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. I still really like it. I still really like it, but there are things that you just, like, you, you cannot ignore. And I feel that, like, the overwhelming majority of the people who love the story choose to ignore it to a point that is sort of uh, uh, egregious. But I still enjoy it uh, enough, but I am more than enough willing to... Uh, Call out, call out when it when it goes a bit too far. Although, Stella and I agree on some points, and we heavily disagree on a lot of points. And hopefully, that'll make for good listening. Do you think your opinion has changed because you're more well versed in DC now? I think it's changed more because I, I understand. I, I honestly listening to Stella and her espousing her love for Barbara Gordon. Because I think initially people are too tent, too willing to say, "Oh yeah, it sucks about Barbara Gordon, but wow, isn't the Joker cool in the story?" And it's like, well, you can't exactly. Like you said, throwing her under the bus to build up the Joker is, is kind of uh, disingenuous, and I think that like in the large scheme of things, toward, according to Batman, you can't really do that and have this count in, in continuity. I agree, yeah. So, I do love the show. Uh, I'm really digging your coverage of Barbara. Like, I, it's not, she's not a character I was all that familiar with beforehand. I'd seen her on, on the animated series. I'd seen her in some yeah. stories. And, of course, in that fabulous film, Batman and Robin. Uh, but Fabulous. yes, uh, but just your passion alone for it really makes Aww, makes her an interesting character, and love the show because, because I, I don't, I'm not a DC gone. guy, and yeah, it, it, catches, it catches my attention, and wa- makes me want to read more DC. So that means a lot to me, yeah. And we have a friend in common, and we can both, you know, make fun of him and Where do betray that? him. Yeah, bitch. I mean, I can't look at my right. <laughs> Well, Jesse, should we tell Donovan now that we're kicking him off and I'm joining uh, the next dimension? Should we do it here? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh. Well, thank you so much for taking time and and calling in. And again, congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. I'm very excited. And sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. Oh, that's all. It it made for great podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) It'll all stay in. I believe you me. Take care. Later, guys. Bye. We're going to do Robert Bell next. Are you okay?
Oh, I haven't read a listener key thingy in a while, so maybe I should do that. I'm, hey. I'm, I'm reaching to the back to take out these knives. Oh, okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you should, what if your mom, what if you, like, called down to your mom, like, hey, mom, can you help me with something? And she came up, and then there were knives in your back. It's probably yelling at me for getting them, in, getting them in the first place. Oh, goodness. From Tom Penneris of Taking Flight and Pop Culture Affidavit. Definitely check out some episodes that I think has he only been on once. But no, we did a Halloween episode together with the Scooby-Doo commentary. So he's been on my show twice. And for the first time, I was on his show. And that should come out uh, later July where we talk about Batgirl. But I won't spoil which Batgirl it is. We also uh, talked about the uh, Robin special. Yes, but that's not my show. Okay, never mind. It doesn't why, matter. Why should I pimp something that? No, fine. Yeah, go. That's because <laughs> I guess I should because you're involved with that. Okay, so this is what it says. So, the killing joke. I have to admit that before reading the story for this episode, I'd only read it once before and honestly can't remember what my opinion was at the time. I guess you could say that I'm kind of coming at this pretty fresh. I'll try not to overwhelm you with my comments since I'm sure you've got a lot of people to talk to tonight. So here are four things I definitely wanted to talk about. One, the art. If there is anything that elevates this beyond a run-of-the-mill comic book story, it's not Alan Moore's writing, but Brian Boland's art. I also had the fortune of reading the newer, recolored edition, which is gorgeous. Boland's Joker is both scary and classic, and his stripped-down coloring in the flashback sequences really helps tell that side of the story. I think that there are few artists who could have been able to create the mood that Boland does, and he is easily a perfect fit for the story. In fact, it's my favorite thing about the killing joke. 2. The Joker's Origin I've read the original Joker origin story, and I think this is very respectful to that, while at the same time putting a new spin on it. I actually felt sorry for the failed comedian, especially when he found out that his wife had died, and I liked how his desperation tied in directly to his caper as the Red Hood. Did you know that the word caper is a derivative from copper, copri, uh, meaning goot? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Three. The Joker's Motivation and Barbara Gordon. Seeing that this is a Barbara Gordon podcast, I have to make my opinion known on Barbara's being shot and then violated by the Joker, all as part of the villain's plot to drive Gordon insane to prove a point about one bad day making a person go crazy. As much as I understand the point that the Joker is trying to make throughout the story, I still don't understand why DC felt the need to paralyze Barbara Gordon. Yes, there's a logic to him harming her in some way if he's driving, if he's trying to drive Jim insane, and that could involve shooting her, but paralyzing Analysis, I don't get it. Number four, the story as a whole. I went into this thinking that I wasn't going to like it, especially since I've cooled on Alan Moore over the years. I figured I would think it was uneven, and to an extent, I was right. The flashback sequences are excellent, as is the interaction between Batman and the Joker. If there's one flaw, I think it's in the scenes involving Jim. Perhaps it's just me, as I'm not a fan of scenes where people are bound and tortured, but a lot of that seemed like it was mature content for the sake of mature content. Still, the story is very good. I'm not sure if I'd place it in the Pantheon, but I'll give it a solid 8 out of 10 laughs. Why am I removing this guy from my content? <laughs> Let me tell you what. There he um, goes. Thanks for letting me contribute, and best of luck with the Colin show. Get this. Dick and Corey forever, Tom. Ooh, is that a shots fired? Yeah, shots fired. The gauntlet has been, I feel, slapped in the face. Again. 
I know. Everywhere I turn. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to address this. I kind of mentioned earlier, like, like um, the whole maturity for maturity's sake. I don't think that Alan Moore writes that way. I know a lot of people who don't care don't care for him will spoil attribute that to him like oh he just does stuff to be weird and freaky just for the sake of it and he's not that smart and kind of thing because I, I, I hear that all the time i don't think the guy writes that way i really do think he's a brilliant writer i don't i don't i'm not stopping me saying that like, everything he writes is awesome but i don't think that he goes in with that really immature mindset i think that's sort of like an easy thing to say to somebody that you, that you decide not to like mm-hmm. i think that um for this story I don't think the, the maturity is just for maturity's sake, but I do think that like uh, it's beyond the the pale of what belongs in a Batman comic at the end of the day. But I don't think he was doing it just to, just for shock value. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I I feel like I agree with you. I still don't understand like why it went to so far an extent as it did. I think that there could have been some sort of level that they reached and like it's done. But to think that even like. Even what we see is not what the original intent was. Like knowing that now blows my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the the full the full photos, I guess, the zoomed out, I guess. You know, just to think that that there's a step. Like they they had to cut it down. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I can kind of see that. You know, it he wasn't trying to do a shock factor, but it just happened that way. And and uh, I just wish it hadn't been that way. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we're gonna have Robert Bell. Dude, call him the Skype. He's got um, the Iron Spider-Man from Civil War. Did Civil War even happen after Mephisto? I don't know. Uh, you want me to answer? <laughs> no. Hello, Hi. Robert. Hi. How is it going? Great. I'm so glad that you made your burger and now you have come on. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> Did I- you what? Okay, Robert, so where are you from? Uh, when did you first read The Killing Joke, and what were your first reactions when you read it? Okay, well, I am from Baltimore, Maryland. And, uh, well, the first time I read it was, I was like, I had to be 13 or 14. Mm. And, actually, I was of the opinion that Batman killed the Joker at the end, at the end of that story. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, I'm. Yes, I'm one of those more than guys. Did you Did you think of that when you were that young? Did you think, oh man, Batman just killed the Joker, or is it later as as you've gotten older and thought about it? No, no. When I was like thirteen and fourteen, I was like, wow, okay, Batman killed him. I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on on it over? And you can talk, you know, about the Joker's character, Batman's character. I mean, what do you think about this story? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? I think it works best as an Elseworlds. Like, if you take it as an Elseworlds, it, it works. But in the normal continuity, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Because Batman acts differently than he normally would. He's, like, laughing with the Joker at the end. At the yeah. end. I was like, that's not Batman. Mm-hmm. After all he's done, I think going can layer with um um story um where Jason Todd dies. Mm, yeah, Death um, in the Family. Death in the Family. Yeah, Death in the Family. To me, Batman should have killed the Joker in real in real life wise. Mm-hmm. If that happened to your son, I would kill that guy. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no bones about it. Mm-hmm. But since it's, since it's comics, you know, we got to keep him alive because yeah, that makes sense. When I was thirteen and fourteen, I was shocked at, at all the brutality and the violence and the the nude Jim Gordon, but. 
now I feel it's done a lot of good things for character of Barbara Gordon. Also, it's done a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. What are, What did you like about this story? Well, the art. The, the art is fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a huge um, I'm not a huge fan of the the, the guy's writing. It's good, but not great. Do you use the writing? Yeah. I'm I, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the the writer Adam Moore. Mm-hmm. The guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moore. Yeah. Um. But I thought it was a good as a good read. You know, it's just it, it, I just take it as Elseworlds. It's it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the Joker's backstory that they laid a, a possible backstory? Did you find that you were sympathetic or empathetic uh, at all towards? This guy that you know all this bad stuff happened to him, so of course he becomes insane. Hmm. I I never really thought about it, but yeah, um, that is a, a tragic backstory. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy, uh, I, I mean, guy is a low level like wannabe comedian, but then he's forced into this like like heist job by the the mob or, or, or whatever, and now he's the Joker. And his wife was dead, and it's all a big tragedy, and it's all, it's all very sad. You were, you said you were shocked by the violence. Do you think that like it's okay to have that kind of violence in Batman's story, or do you think that like for a mainstream comic character that was uh, a bit too far? Okay, I think it's good for like a one-off story, graphic novel, big bombastic story, but not in the normal on the stands. Where all the kids can go see it, you know, that that's not my bag. Mm-hmm. I generally don't like violence, that kind of gratuitous violence, outside of the big two. Yeah, that that's not my thing. Like, I remember when Identity Questions came out. I hated that story. I still don't like it. The what? Identity Questions. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hate that story. Like? Are you uh-huh. joke? I love that story. Oh God. I Dude, love it. It's one of my oh. favorites. Uh, me, you, minis. I'm so oh, sorry. Me, you would never agree on this because I was not a huge fan of Sue Dibney getting raped and then killed. Yay. Well, not, not, not in that exact yeah. order. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. That thing was a retcon, so, so <laughs> yeah, I hate, hate that. That was a retcon. And back to Barbara Gordon. <laughs> I. Uh, okay, thanks to John Ostrander, Barbara Gordon became a great character. Exactly. I yep. before um, John Ostrander, she was okay, but but she wasn't a great character. She, she didn't really have legs, and I think I think the reason why Barbara Gordon as 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 Batgirl is so beloved at, isn't because of her comics. Isn't because of her comics appearances. It's because of the extra media um, of Batman the anime series, um, her time in the uh, her time um, the original Batman show in, in the sixties, um, the the cartoon in the seventies. That's how she's loved as Batgirl, and that's how she's well, really well known as. But then when you get to her in comics, she's a really interesting character, and Jonathan turned to really badass because. I mean, just I mean, reading. Um, I just got a whole run of um, Suicide Squad 
in a in a in a pretty bin, and she she stands up to um to to, to Batman. Oh yeah. And, and and I love that. And I was like, and now she's Batgirl again. Yeah. And she's a little less interesting, mm-hmm. and she's not written as well, and it's kind of sad. But you know, this is comics, and it, it's all it's all very it's all very circular. Uh huh. So you you say it's circular. Do you think she's going to become Oracle again? No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I don't know. Okay. But I guess you're yeah. You mean circular in the fact that she started off as Babs as Batgirl and then Oracle and now she's back as Batgirl. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe in 10 years they'll they'll make her Oracle again but maybe she'll, she'll, she just won't be in, 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 the, in the wheelchair. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Well, thank you for allowing me to be on your Oh, great, of course. It was a pleasure. I, okay, I am a big fan of your podcast. Oh, thank you so I, much. I mean, you are a great voice out there for women in, in comics, and you are fantastic. Oh, Absolutely. thank you. That really means a lot to me. Thank you so much, Robert. Okay. Okay, take care. I will. Bye. Bye, guys. Oh, wasn't that nice? Um, hey, what's it from uh, Glenn, and then Ed's our next caller. From Glenn, he had a, he had a, uh, a last name that I thought I would mess up. So I decided to just call him Glenn, but he's not the Glenn from Walking Dead. So from Glenn, I would also like to offer an opinion on The Killing Joke since I'll be on vacation when you do your special. Well, Glenn, I hope you're enjoying yourself and applying sunscreen. I was in college when Dark Knight Returns and Year One came out, and while I had reservations about some of the tone and content, not least of which was the disappearance of a young Barbara from the Gordon family in Batman Year One, it was fun to be a reader of comics when it was suddenly being portrayed as cool in the broader media, and the form finally being taken seriously as literature. The term graphic novel was coined around then. After Watchmen, when news came that Alan Moore was writing the definitive Batman Joker story, well, the comics reading world was in a frenzy. I feel that it was pretty much predetermined that whatever Moore produced would be hailed as a classic. The Killing Joke is the story that curdled my enthusiasm for grim and gritty comics. Curdled. Curdled like bad milk. Barbara Gordon was a favorite character of mine since I'd crushed on Yvonne Craig as a kid watching Adam West Batman reruns. I found the violence visited upon her disturbing, yes, and the presentation of it by a writer with a seeming obsession for depicting unspeakable acts upon fe- visited upon female characters and approved by the exclusively male DC editors appalling. I'm going to ask you a question about that then, Don, because you did your research. Mm -hmm. I found the treatment of Batman equally upsetting. When Moore has Batman give the Joker that companionable embrace at the end, he well, it's more of a hand. He's telling us that both Batman and Joker are sociopaths. Everyone else are just characters in their little play. Only a sociopath could share a laugh with the man who had so brutalized his great friend Jim and his devoted ally Barbara. Grant Morrison has tried to come to terms with that final atrocity by claiming that Batman had actually killed the Joker at the end, but then Brian Boland responded by saying that he hadn't. 
It was such a long road from the scar of the killing joke to Barbara being restored as Batgirl that I couldn't quite get on board with your musings about perhaps being better off without the book. So I'm going to assume you mean New 52 Batgirl when I say that. But I think that, at least in some part, due to your pleas, maybe, oh, maybe to paraphrase her dad at the end of The Dark Knight, Gotham is about to get the Barbara slash Batgirl it needs and deserves. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah, so question. He says mm-hmm. about Alan Moore, he says... A writer with a seeming obsession for depicting unspeakable acts visited upon female characters. What? Has he done something like this before? Oh, is he talking about Watchmen and what happened to... um... Silk Spectre? Yeah. There's Watchmen, uh, V for Vendetta. Have you ever seen the movie slash... I did, but what happened? She she gets shaved. Well, actually, it's kind of mentally tortured in that. Oh. There's uh, the Vigilante two-part, which I have. Uh, there is From Hell, which is about Jack the Ripper. Um, so you're saying it really is? Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, if you think about all his stories, I mean, well, even the man... Uh... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I've not read everything Alan Moore's written, but in mm-hmm. terms of like, all the DC work I've, that I have read and you know, some of his... Uh, top 10 comics i've not read tom strong or tells strong or other stuff he's done so i can't account for everything he's read but there is definitely a history of that which i know people have attributed to him and i don't i don't know if, if i don't believe alan moore is like misogynistic himself i really don't think so because i know he's writing a lot of a lot of uh great female characters that kind of issue that sort of uh Moral, uh, that sort of like you know, fictional indignity, but there is definitely a, a, a history of, of, of a pattern with him, and I would like to see uh, how he uh, respond to that sort of criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Ed, and Ed is of course on the Batman universe with us, so let's add him. Here we go. Here he is. Can't get away from this guy. You know what I'm saying? Gotta record with him tomorrow. What happened to Joe? Joe betrayed us like you. You basically made a terrible path and other people follow it. A path to the light. Ed! Hello! Hello. Hey! Please save Donovan? me from Donovan. <laughs> it's been a long time, buddy. How you doing? Oh, my goodness. What are you guys doing? How's it been going? Um. Having fun reading Killing Joe. <laughs> I'm about to say. Yeah. You guys talk this? You, you, you talk the Killing Joke to death yet? Hey. Not without you. Yeah, I know. We've been waiting. We've been waiting for you to give us all the answers we couldn't stumble upon ourselves. Oh, so, God. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff in this book. You bet it is. So to start off, at, cause I don't know if you've been on my show ever, which is something that should be rectified after this. Oh, the round table. Thank you. Donovan knows my show better than I do. <laughs> I Executive producer Donovan Morgan. No, no, I just make the show. He's like the, the nerd who listens to it and knows every... Oh, yeah, in episode 16 when you sneeze. I'm the what? <laughs> He's your super fan. Oh, Donovan. Okay. Oh, oh is that the guy? Millhouse. Um, okay, Ed. Ed, where are you from? When did you first read The Killing Joke? What were your first reactions? Uh, I am from Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I'm from TBU's Comic Cast. Everyone knows where that? I host Bastella. Yeah. And occasionally does stuff with Donovan. Mm-hmm. And I read Killing Joke when it first came out, which put me about 11 years old. Or 12 Whoa. Years old. Oh, dear. See, well, here's the problem. My, my, my parents, uh, which 
good or bad, depending on how you look at it. I thought it was good when I was younger, and then realized when I got older it was a bit of a mistake. <laughs> uh, they had no clue about comic books. To them, they were just comic books. That's what kids read was comic books, mm-hmm. right? So when I got into Batman, like most you know young guys do, and we would be in a comic book store or a bookstore, and I would say, Daddy, buy me this. He just he never thought about it. So I was reading like Arkham Asylum and Killing Joke when I was 11, 12 years old, which I thought was awesome <laughs> at the time. Uh, I wonder why I had trouble sleeping sometimes. But um, uh, so I learned it at a, at a young age. So I've, I've kind of read it many times over the years with a lot of different thoughts on it. But yeah, that's how I first got into to reading The Killing Joke was when it first came out, if you can believe it. So what are your, I mean, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Well, here's the thing. Like, the thing about the story, yeah. I like the I, I do one thing I, I always because you know Stella I like to talk about art a little bit. Yes, um, you do. I do like the art in this book. Oh and yeah, it, hold, it holds up really well. Like I actually reread it this morning when I was thinking about coming on here, so I grabbed my my, my trade down and, and looked at it. And the art still holds up. I mean, a lot of books that are twenty five years old, the art looks like it's twenty five years old. You know, mm-hmm. um, so the art holds up really, really good. And I know there's been several different versions of the art over the years and it and, and the and the deluxe edition which is the one i, I use today was recolored actually so I, I actually do prefer the colored one to the original one um but i do like the art i think the art really stands up over time the story to me is is good it has good points and bad points to it um there's some it, first of all it, it's 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 not badly wrote you can't say that it was wrote badly although i disagree Written? with Written yeah. Oh no! Grammar it's... police. Oh. I couldn't help. I was like, I'm sorry. That's like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! How rude! You better be he glad I like you. Donovan. I just let it go, man. I am letting it go. Donovan's gotta be himself. He said it twice. I did too. That's and you know what? I knew I said it twice. I said it the first time. I said, Don't say it again. Then I said it again. It's not the it's not the malicious. It's like the <laughs> with Dustin. Yakuza. Well, that was great. What was that about? We're like we're like the Yakuza dust. He's like I- I've never heard that before. I'm like you've never heard of the. Yakuza? Yeah, you've not like, heard the Japanese mafia, the Yakuza, the fool. <laughs> that was okay, funny. Okay, keep on before Donovan was rude to you. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's parts of this book I like. There's parts of this book I don't like. Some of the parts I dislike, it's kind of everyone kind of throws them out anyway, though, to be honest with you. Like the Joker's origin, quote-unquote, origin story in here. Mm-hmm. I think we all kind of accepted now that this is not real. This is something that he's made up, one of many versions we've seen, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you have to realize when I read this, this book, there wasn't fandom like we have now. There was no internet. So you just read it. And being younger, no one really was reading the same complex around my age to talk about them with. So for me, for for a long time, I accepted this as, as the Joker's origin story because I didn't know any better, you know. When I'm 11, 12 years old, when I first read it, I wasn't making the intuitive leap that this was, you know what I'm saying? To me, this was his origin. So I never really liked it, and then when I got older, I just decided that I would remove it from, you know, personal continuity. So I don't like that part of the story. Um, the ending, have you guys talked a lot about the ending today, I take it? Yeah, a fair amount. Yeah, different takes, and we ask everyone what their thoughts are on the ending. <sighs> Listen, I don't think he. It, <laughs> how do you say this one? It's obvious that in real continuity, he doesn't kill the Joker in the end right. because the Joker's not dead, mm-hmm. right? Now it's a whole other debate if Alan Moore intended him to kill him. I honestly don't know. I've read so many conflicting things over the years. Personally, I don't like the ending. I don't like the last two pages of the book at all. Um, I mean, there is. You can definitely debate if some of this book needed to be as graphic as it was, right? 
I don't know. I mean, again, this wasn't supposed to be read by an 11 year old as it was, you know, <laughs> but it, I think it's trying to prove a point, but I think it maybe takes a couple steps too. It's like some of it's just not, not necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we know the Joker shoots her and then there's the, you know, the, the possible other things the Joker does. I just, to me, I think I've always thought that the book went one step too far. I mean, you just some stuff you can leave up to the imagination and it can be just as powerful as putting it on page. I do think that it's, it's, it's an interesting book and I don't think it's a poorly wrote book, but at the end of the day, I think it's a lot more flawed than a lot of people think it is. If that makes any sense. So for me, it's a mixed bag. There's good, there's good to the book. There's some bad to the book. I, I do like the, the whole concept that, you know, Gordon gets some very nice moments in this book when he, you know, after his, um, cage box being boxed up by the Joker, he, uh, you know, it tells Batman to make sure you bring him in, you know, our way, do it the right way. I think that's a good character moment for him. It shows it shows that, you know, maybe someone weak might break after a bad day, but but Gordon's a strong character and he doesn't doesn't break after the bad day. So I think some of that's good. <laughs> and I like what we get out of the book, to be honest with you. The aftermath for me is is better than the book in a way because because of the killing joke, we have the character of Oracle. Right. You know? So I, I think that if you look at it as an Oracle origin story, it, it it's it gives her reason to have that that fire and strength of character she has as Oracle because of these events are so horrific. And I do like the story overall, but I do feel some of it was um, a little shock value-ish. It's interesting because a lot of people have kind of been saying that like they've whether they like the story, they don't like the story. There's always reservations with it. I was actually kind of imagining people to kind of uniformly say this is the best Batman story ever and it's perfect and there's nothing wrong with it and derp derp. But like and which which you know there's nothing wrong with that. It seems like a lot of people these days seem to have look at it at least with a second glance and see even if I like it, there are parts I, I don't care for about it. Well, and I think too it, it goes to the person that's reading it. And I think that's why when – and I agree with you, Don. When I first read this story for a long time, I used to think it was the greatest story ever because when you're young and you read it, there's such shock value in it, right? Like, yeah. It, it's like no comic book you've ever seen. I mean Arkham Asylum was diff, was was freaky but in a whole different visual freaky type of way. You know, the subject matter here is, is, is much more adult. And you know what it's like when you're young, you, you watch the movie you're not supposed to or read the book you're not supposed to. You always kind of make it seem like it's better than it was just because the subject matter was, was more risque than you're used to dealing with, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that was when I was – if you had this conversation with me 15 years ago, I would have told you it was one of the best stories. But the more I reread it over time, again, I, it's – the thing about The Killing Joke is it, it had – a very prominent place in continuity in the old 52 or the old universe, whatever you're going to call it pre new 52. It had a real place there because this was such a big moment in, in, in the story of Batman overall. This is where Batgirl gets paralyzed, you know, mm-hmm. but now I think that now that we're new 52 and she's was paralyzed and it happened, but it's, it's, I mean, let's face it, you know, death in the, of the, in the family where, you know, Jason Todd originally died, had a lot of meaning before he got bought back from the dead. You yeah. know? I mean, it's the same with this story to me. I feel the fact that, that Barbara can walk again, does it kind of devalue the story for you guys a little bit? Does it still like it doesn't seem like it has the same impact anymore because she's fine? That's a, that's a very good question. Uh, it's kind of similar to like, you know, if Jason, now that Jason Todd's back, does the original story still hold value? This isn't my show. What do you think, Stella? I don't know if it devalues this. Potentially, if anything, it would devalue just her run as Oracle. Just because you wonder, well, she's back as Batgirl, but she had such a great purpose as Oracle, so why is that happening? 
this was the lead into her becoming Oracle. This story, I think, devalues her run as Batgirl because you think to yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, I've just been reading Batgirl for 30 years, um, her running around and doing different things, her being a congresswoman, a librarian, all these like strong female stories that we've had and, and her showing uh, a great being a great character and, and a good role model to anyone. And then all of a sudden she's able to be like taken out so swiftly and and then potentially sexually assaulted here, which we've we've decided she was sexually assaulted to the extent that she was unclothed, but we did not believe that she was raped. So and in my my mind of unicorns and rainbows, I really hope that that is something that did not happen. But yeah, I, I think this story takes away from all those years of her in the costume. But I don't think that her becoming Batgirl necessarily devalues this story. It would, if anything, devalue her being as uh, Oracle. Yeah, and I, I agree with your guys' stance on the um, the assault scene here. And again, that's just, for all I know, this could be pure wishful thinking on all our parts. And if it is, that's fine. You know, I mean, I personally choose to believe that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, so... Again, I don't know, but mm-hmm. and I've and I've read the funny thing about Alan Moore is, as you guys probably know, he's a bit of a nut. I mean, he's gotten crazier as he got older, um, and and he's given some conflicting interviews over the years, where mm-hmm. sometimes he says it happened, and sometimes he says he doesn't. So it seems like even he can't make his mind up. And since he wrote it, I think we're feel, you know, we're we're free to believe anything we feel like. Yeah, depends so, on the day. Yeah, it depends on the day. Um, but but overall, I mean, I understand why the book is so important in Batman lore because it is important but looking back on it now if i if this had came out brand new today and we didn't have such an attachment to it and i think we because it all i know Stella, you hadn't read it but you've heard about the killing joke everyone you know what i'm saying like yeah this this book has such a mythos behind it that i often wonder that if this book had came out today would i have thought that it was what i had built up my mind over the course of of my life and I don't it would know. Have been the normal issue of the New Fifty Two if it came out today. Yeah, no, but this thing, like, if it came out today, with this, I mean, again, it's it's overly violent, and, and it, I don't know if this would have had any big impact on me. But it was so different for its time; it stuck with us. So I think that we've created a legend around the book that maybe it doesn't deserve. That's probably not the best thing I could say, but I'm just being honest. You know, like I know my personal opinions have changed on this book a lot. So I'm curious to see what other people will think about it too. Because I remember there was a time where if you said anything bad about this book, you'd get lynched. I mean, I still, I still really enjoy it. Like you know, I can't. It's not bad, yeah. I, I can't like you know say that like you know Batman, Batman's actions and, and behavior at the end are totally justified considering what happened to his friends earlier in the book. In my opinion, in terms of my enjoyment factor, the pros outweigh the cons. But the cons are serious, and and you can't like just not discuss them. Yeah, I think that's it too. Like I don't think the book is bad, and if it can, if I had freshly read it today, I would think it was good. Right, but mm. I don't know if it would become something that is a permanent fixture on every top five graphic novelist ever wrote. You know what I'm well, saying? This is also because like this this influenced a lot of the Joker being written later on. This was influential in that way, whereas now like, oh, we yeah. have the Joker being the way he is already. So this wouldn't really be necessary. Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a good point. I mean, this was like I said, this was an important book in the history of the character. But like I said, there, there is good, but there is a lot of bad there too. So yeah, and it, it's. The other thing about the book, and I guess this is a, is a positive thing I'm going to say about it at the end here, is whenever your a book is this old and it still can spark this much conversation about it, right? Mm-hmm. I guess in some level it's done what it's supposed to as a piece of literature, right? I mean, some level. yeah. I mean, so it's it's, but it, you know, I would I I do enjoy this book, but I do think it's 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 pretty flawed. So, and I, I 
can't believe Stella just finally. When did you actually read it, by the way, Stella? When did you physically read it? Like last week or today? Uh, Monday. Monday. Wow. I jokingly said I would read it 20 minutes before we started okay. this whole thing. I don't think that would have been a good idea. No. Someone also tried to convince me to read it while I was recording. Live? Yeah, he was joking, but yeah. Oh, uh, I, was like, I was like, no, we don't. We all, we all, <laughs> we all, that, would, that would turn this into a snuff podcast because she'd kill herself at the end. Snuff, we, we also don't need anyone to read The Red Wedding live. So, I mean, there's things that you, oh, heavens. Need, to, you need to do in the privacy of your own home. Though, you know. Game of Thrones, that probably is better in the book than it is in the, um, the TV show. We have better as in gorier or? <laughs> better as in... His wife event? doesn't get stabbed in the uterus multiple times because she's not even there. So what is this? <laughs> we're, we're, we're on Game of Thrones now. Uh, okay. No, it, it's true though. Like, uh, and I love the HBO series. Don't, I mean, I, I love it, but uh, they do have a tendency to over violence it up and way over sex it up sometimes in that yeah. show. I mean, it's, some of it doesn't even make any sense. Like, what the hell is going on here? Have you? So. You've read the books, right? Okay, so you're the perfect person because I was talking and Donovan had no idea what was going on, so we left the room. I talked about Joker's origin story that um, there's sympathy with him and with that character in order to sort of like push down all of the heavy stuff so to make it maybe a little bit better. And I said that as a reader I felt coerced to like him and feel better in order to make it what he does not as bad. And I equated this to Jamie Lannister, where for like the first three mm. books, you despise that character. I mean, because, I mean, you're all on the Stark side for the most part. Uh, I'm sure there are some Lannister fans out there, but but he's just a jerk. Uh, but then all of a sudden, he's like connected with Brienne, and for the the beginning is kind of bad, but then he starts to become more of an honorable person and making his own decisions apart from his, you know, his sister. And now I'm like, gosh, darn it. I like this character and I don't want to. So you, do you agree? Do you feel coerced by Alan Moore? I mean, I use this word coerced. Did you feel forced to almost sympathize with that Joker backstory so that everything else seemed maybe not as bad? Cause look at all the bad stuff that happened to him. I feel like that that's exactly what he's trying to do. Aha, Donovan. Yeah, Say I don't what? think I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, Say what? <laughs> he's he's trying to show that one bad day could turn anybody into a nut job. I mean, that's what the Joker's trying to show and that's what Alan Moore's trying to show, right? Well, I think that like um uh Stella uses the word coerce as though like like showing that there's a bit of disingenuity disingenuity whereas like I think like the story he's telling requires a, an origin story like that. But the thing, too, is, is to remember, and this is – I think that the Joker is trying to coerce us into feeling bad for him because uh. he's, the one, he's the one making up the story because we don't believe this is his real origin. right? At least I don't. So since he's making up this origin story, I think the Joker is trying to make us feel bad for him. I think mm-hmm. that's part of, the, part of the book to me is you know, let me bring you down this thing. But I agree, and, and I think the, the, the Jamie Lannister thing is good because no matter what the Joker ever does, no matter if we find out that his – wife was a loved his wife and she died whatever other things we learn out it's never going to change the fact of what he did no matter what Lant jamie ever does you're never going to forget in the first hundred pages he threw bran out of a tower yeah you know so no matter what the joker does we're never going to forget that this is a guy who's killed i, who, I mean at this point who, who knows what the body count is mm-hmm. right i mean so i think that although you learn these tragic bad things about them you're still I, I agree with Stella, by the way. That, that's exactly what they're trying to do. I just don't think you can ever 
forget about these characters. I mean, these characters are bad people. So. I wish I was on TBU when you weren't. Oh my gosh! Because then they will be, you know, being poured into their ear this poison of agreeing with Stella this, agreeing with Stella. <laughs> oh, whatever! You thought they were happened. shoving Harper Row down people's throats? Oh, Did I say that? I don't even remember. <laughs> Could have been the British dude. <laughs> and I actually tried to defend poor Harper. Man, well, She's any other not... thoughts, Ed? I don't really have any, except that if you haven't read it. You're nuts, because I think everyone who follows oh. Batman at all has, should should read it. Really? I think you should read it. I think now, if you're a kid, don't. I would, read it. I would agree with that. Yeah. But I think that if you're going to follow the Batman, if you're going to you know live in that kind of comics universe, I think it's almost required reading. Now, I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I mean, again, I, I think there's there's good and bad in the book, but I think it's something that if you're going to follow the character of Batman, you have to read. You may not enjoy it. You may not like it at the end, but I think that it's a it's a part of the universe. It's something you have to read. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. So, uh, Ed, thanks so much for coming on. Good talking to you, Ed. See you, Don. See you, Saul. Bye. Bye. Well, dun, dun, dun. Would you believe we're like reaching our last person? And who that person is? I don't know. But uh, first up, we have some reader emails here because we don't want to leave them stranded. So from Mike, and, you know, I was thinking about all this. Because Mike also has a difficult uh, last name. And I'm thinking that maybe next time I should tell them to, like, give me a um, mnemonic, like, pronunciation code for their last name so I don't – or, like, any name so I don't mess first it up. First name uh, and then, like, like, like the first – Mike W. Like, how do you pronounce it? Okay. So he says, hello, Stella. I just read The Killing Joke for the first time last night. This is awesome that we're getting these type of people. All I knew going in was that it is the story where the Joker shoots Barbara Gordon. Yeah, I agree. I found out that it's a lot worse than that. For instance, <laughs> for instance, the humiliation and violation of both Barbara and her father made me very uncomfortable while reading the story. I also was under the impression that maybe the Joker meant to kill Babs. The fact that the Joker's intent was to cripple Barbara, with the primary reason being to torture Jim Gordon, is so much more twisted than a botched murder attempt. I was left feeling ill at ease and almost depressed, thank you, after reading the story. That being said, I think The Killing Joke is a really good story. Oh, heavens. I think that The Joke is a really good story that showcases the depravity of the Joker and gives a very plausible, though I think purposely not posited as definitive, origin for the Joker. As far as the artwork, it's an absolutely beautifully illustrated book. I read the deluxe version recolored by Brian Boland via my Amazon Kindle, so I'm not sure what the original looked like, but I think the artwork is brilliant and captures the many different moods of the story very well. The only problem I have is the ending. It almost seems like an old Saturday Night Live sketch where everything is going really well until the end and then suddenly there's nowhere left to go with the action. So something is just thrown out there and we're supposed to just accept it as a plausible ending and be satisfied. I just don't see Batman going into such hysterics over that joke. If you have some more insight, I'll be eager to hear it. Uh, well, I think we talked about that and, you know, asked other people too. Anyway... That's just the perspective of a 46-year-old man who grew up reading mostly Batman, Superman, Justice League, and Spider-Man as a kid. Fantastic Four as a preteen, and Captain America, Hulk, and Iron Man in the late 80s to early 90s. Quitting comics after Marvel did a horrible reboot of the whole universe. 
I began picking comics up again a few years ago, all due to the Batman Universe comic podcast. So I'm catching up on Batman's history, and I need to catch up on the history of the various Batgirls as well, thanks to the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Sorry for such a long email. Please don't apologize. Feel free to edit for content and time. I won't do it. And format to fit your screen. I'm looking forward to hearing this special fly on Baz lovers, Michael Delosier. It's very nice. Unless it's Delosier. One thing I would like to kind of comment on, he says, he says that like he felt, was, he felt ill at ease and disturbed by it. But yes, I was that, about like, to ask. Yeah, what are you going to ask? I remember re- when I was rereading this and kind of thinking about this. This really reminds me of uh, the, the biggest comparison I can make to this in my own uh, uh, media experience is that you guys mentioned Game of Thrones and stuff that you're into. I was watching, I, was, I had watched uh, this particularly famous anime series called Neon Genesis Evangelion. I kind of finally got to checking it out about a month ago, and uh, there's this big, there's this big famous thing where like uh, the ending takes place over sort of like an, a two-part movie called End of Evangelion. That is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen in my life. It is notorious for just how completely uneasy, like the, it's just like this nightmarish imagery and the themes going along with it, and it is, it is. I have never, I have never seen anything like that in my life. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened to the characters. I can't believe that's happened to this, that, and the other thing. But when you kind of step back and take a look at it, in terms of like what they were trying to do and, and how you felt in it, ultimately I thought it was actually fantastic, even though it really made me feel unsettled. I thought I was going to have nightmares. And I, think, <laughs> oh, I, th- I think the killing joke is something similar. Where like, I mean, I'm not, I know, I'm not trying to say that you you need to enjoy it or whatever, but I think there are things where I wish didn't happen in it. You know, these things. But I, I, on one level, I do see. Uh, how they how they're put in there, and I can take them for what they are, you know. What I said about the story the last episode, I said about the story, but like just in terms of like a general thing of fiction, like 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 that or Game of Thrones, which can be disturbing. Like sometimes that doesn't that, that doesn't take away from the merit of the art art form. I think. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that like, there'll be an interesting kind of comparison to make. You and I obviously differ because I don't like the story and you did, so it's hard for me to comment on that. I mean, I was. Right, I just want to get something. I, I, you know, I told Facebook that they may not be hearing from me uh, for a few days because I was going to read the killing jokes. I didn't want them to be concerned, and and I just kind of like went to my. I didn't really talk to anybody and um, just just read it and wanted to be by myself. I took a nap afterwards. I don't know what that says. Maybe I was depressed. Um, but I mean, it was just, it, it was, you know, it's like I said at the beginning of part one, you know, it's, you don't, I don't think you completely understand until you're reading your favorite character and that's happening to exactly. your character, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough story. Uh, should we, I guess we'll save the last email f- for after the Bertoni. I'm oh, so <laughs> What? <laughs> the Bertoni. Yeah, well, I'm regretful we we even have to talk to him, frankly. Um, just I regret it as much as me reading the wow, comic. Comic is gonna be awkward then. I'm just <laughs> you bet it. Is. <laughs> um, it's funny that you know I disagree with Ed, and I think that you can be a Bat fan and you don't have to read the Killing Joke. I think I would have been perhaps a better person with a sunnier outlook on life had I not read. <laughs> I think it would have been like knowing that, okay, she got shot by the Joker and she was paralyzed. That's all I need. Bam, I'm going into Oracle. Did I need to read that? No. You think I'll ever read it again? Will I ever read it again? (laughs) I know the answer, but do you think you'll ever read it again? No. (laughs) You do that to yourself. 
Heavens no. I will be interested in, in like like ten years down the line if if you and I, I'm not saying like your thoughts are wrong. I'm not saying like you need to consider it. I'm just I'm just you know how things work out, how things how people do think about things after time has gone by because you just read it after a week or so. So I'm, I'm just saying, but I'm, I'm not saying I, I I have no problem with your feelings on it now. I have no problem with your feelings if you hate it forever. I'm just I'm just I was just saying later on down the line it might be interesting to consider if your feelings uh, remain the same. I forgot that we actually had two emails, so I'll read the shorter one and then we'll read, we'll leave the other one for last. So this is from Steve J Rogers. So, okay, this is later than I thought I'd be sending it, but I'm rushed, so here it goes quickly. Now that you've read it and every... Oh, so these are more questions. Um, Now that you've read it and everything that came before it, and despite Moore's protestations that the story was meant to be out of continuity, should A, Barbara remain wheelchair-bound post-crisis, i.e., should she have turned into Oracle without the tragedy, and B, should she at one point through the years don the back row mantle if Killing Joke uh, was kept as a true out-of-continuity story? In other words, could Babs as back row be salvaged after what creative, after what the creative team was doing to her over the last few years prior to it? Anyway, hope everything goes smoothly today and fun is had by all. So what I gather from that is... I guess it's kind of like what I asked John Ostrander. Like, was this going to Oracle? Is that natural thing? The natural evolution of the character, um, or do you think that maybe she would have come back as as Batgirl? In my opinion, Barbara Gordon isn't somebody who needs to be defined by being Batgirl. I know she is, but like in terms of like her own character's personal history, mm-hmm. I don't know if it just just and this is evidenced major majorly by her becoming Oracle. I don't know if that role is something that she needs to kind of return to, which is why I, I had such a conceptual problem with Gail Simone reiterating in the, her own title, Batman say, you were meant to be Batgirl, and like, I'm Batgirl, Batgirl this, Batgirl that. Because to me, like, the kind of like Cassandra Cain in being Batgirl, the character is a bit more meaningful than the mantle itself. Because it wasn't like she was the first Batgirl. Mm-hmm. So that's my thoughts on it. I, th- I think that like, it's, it's a, it, her, her being Oracle, being paralyzed tonight is a bit more natural, in my opinion. It's hard. It's hard to say whether or not this was a natural evolution, given what what she went through, mm-hmm. especially pre-crisis, and and a very similar character in her origin, Secret Origins twenty, and the Batgirl special, uh, because she was really starting to feel down on herself, which mm-hmm. is something that we've seen before. Uh, and, and Supergirl certainly was the slap to the face. I think that she needed, just like Jim Gordon was one that was there to provide that slap when she was getting down. But yeah, I agree that she wasn't defined by that because she found that she understood her purpose in life was was greater than just being Barbara Gordon and like walking along the street. She recognized that she had uh, much to offer people in many different variety of ways. And and I think this first doubt came into her mind when she lost her congressional seat like what I've been doing this and now I lost it so what am I supposed to do and she looked around her you know city of Gotham and realized there was something else and that's of course when she went to the humanities center so I think no matter what had she retired I don't know if that was the perfect evolution I, I think there probably would have been she would have retired I even talk about this to uh, Tom Panarese, um because we talk about like which characters naturally would go and I think that she would realize that there is time that to to kind of fold down that mantle. I don't like how it was done, but I recognize that I think 
at one point she was going to retire as Batgirl, but she would continue to help that city. That's just who she is. Would it always become Oracle? I, I don't know. I, I think that something, tra- I think there had to have been a catalyst to push her into that. Um, I could have seen her be Oracle with her legs under her, but again, there had to have been some sort of tragedy in her realizing she couldn't, she couldn't be active, but she could be behind the scenes and helping other people out. So, so I, I think, yeah, I, I, we could have gotten there. That would have been interesting. Maybe in a different world, if alternate realities exist, we can like see what she's doing. Please send me a copy from alternate universe. Well, I guess you know we've we've done the best we can to to get away from this guy. But <laughs> <laughs> why are you so mean? <laughs> <laughs> I already explained that. I, you know what's really funny is that Josh has no idea, so he's just gonna be like. Yes. Hi, old friend. Who's <laughs> never betrayed me? Would you let me introduce? Uh, I can be super nice, and he won't know. But he's got these two drooling aliens. I can tell they're from the Simpsons. <laughs> they're from the Simpsons, fool. Josh, do you know how much I love you? More than the whole wide world. I just Enough to, to know. listen to the show. I know. I just wanted you to know. Listen to the show <laughs> before you get on. <laughs> just know that I. Love Hey, um, Josh. Oh, did you say something bad about me and I'm going to be good? <laughs> it's been a variety show, I'll tell you that. Josh. <laughs> That's not answering my question. I know, I'm dodging it. Josh, we are we're here all together now. This is great, isn't it? It's like nostalgia. Where are you from? Because you've moved, so this is actually new and exciting. When did you <laughs> first read The Killing Joke, if you can remember, and what were your first reactions? Okay, well... I am originally from New York. That's where I was born. But I moved to Florida when I was two. Yep. And I and I did move. I was in an apartment in Newport Ritchie, which is like the Tampa area of Florida. And I've now officially, as of this morning, actually, like fully moved to Tampa mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, just the outskirts of Tampa because I was tired of the driving. I first read The Killing Joke. I must have been in middle school. And I think I've told the story on the show before, but I'll I'll tell it again. And Don's heard the story a lot too. Oh, yes. Um I had enough knowledge of like, you know, the Bat family to know that Barbara Gordon got shot and was in a wheelchair. So as I'm at borders, you know, flipping through the killing joke, and I see Barbara standing, um, I say, Oh, this must have been before she got shot and then I turn the page and the book said, Yeah, right before, like a page before. Yeah. So that was a surprise, and and I was just skimming it at Borders, so I was really confused over what was a flashback and what wasn't, so I thought that, like, when the Joker fell into the chemicals, and then, like, you know, got out and started laughing, when the Batmobile comes to the carnival, I thought that that was still part of the flashback at first, and I got really confused. I was like, so he fell into the chemicals, got out, swam away, and then, like, Batman followed him, and, like, um, (laughs) but but then I actually, you know, read the book, and I would bring it to, um... I, I was a Boy Scout. I don't know if I've ever revealed that information. I was a Boy Scout for like a year or two because um, I liked going camping. I would try and prove that comics were hardcore because this is before all these, you know, Marvel and DC movies. So I, I'd bring the killing joke and when kids would, make, <laughs> kids would make fun of me, they'd be like, oh, you're reading comic books, you know, because we're like 13, 14 years old. I'd be like, yeah, but look at this. This is extreme, you know, to try and like win them over so that they wouldn't think I was a baby. For not, you know, wow. reading Keenan and Kel magazines or something or whatever was popular when I had at that year. You know, I do really like Orange Soda. 
Is it true? Who doesn't? Oh, yeah, it's failed me. Josh, um, I do, I do, I do. Oh, there you go. Um, Josh, I mean, thoughts on this story overall? I, uh, positive, negative aspects? Things you like, things you don't like? Okay. Imagine, um, imagine you, you love your mom and your dad a real lot. I love how you, like, the most bizarre ways to set things up. I love it. I um, do love my mom and dad very much, so here we okay. are. Okay, well, like, I, well, I'm going to hypothetically divorce your parents, you know, for the case of this scenario. Your parents get divorced, okay. and it's, you know, there's no good guys or bad guys in this situation. It's a divorce. Yeah. And your dad starts, you know, eventually seeing someone else. And, you know, you visit, you know, your dad when she's with this woman, and she's nice. You like her and everything. The next time you see your mom... She, you know, she still isn't quite over the divorce, and she asks you, what do you think of Dad's new girlfriend? That's how I'm feeling right now when you <laughs> ask me what I think of this story. <laughs> because, I'm, because, so Dad is the killing joke and I'm me? No, the killing joke is Dad's new girlfriend, oh, your mom, oh. and your mom, oh. and you're, you're asking me what I think of Daddy's new girlfriend. Well, um, yeah, the, you were prepared for this. I, I was. I texted Donovan like two days ago and I said, I know what I'm going to tell. I know what I'm going to tell Stella when she asked me about this. So okay. needless to say, um, I don't hate the story. Okay. Neither does um, Donovan. So I'm not really surprised that you both betrayed me in one foul swoop. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> but mom, dad <laughs> can stay single forever. <laughs> you always said you wanted each other to be happy. And Donovan and I have, like, I don't know how much he's told you, but we've talked a lot about this over the last few days, you know, like, what makes a story good, what makes a story bad. And in spite of what happens to the characters, I, I enjoy the story. I like it. It's not my favorite story. It's not the most well-written Batman story, but I like the art by Brian Bolin. I don't like, you know, how they changed it in later printings, but whatever. Um, I'm <laughs> sure that's already been covered. Yeah, I mentioned at the very beginning. Right. Um, and I think that the idea of the Joker doing these things is horrifying. And, you know, it's disgusting. But we're supposed to think that it's horrifying and disgusting. We're not supposed to read this being like, all right, the Joker's, you know, doing naked torture on the Gordon family. We're supposed to have this horrified reaction. So I think that that's – and that's the – this is supposed to show how dangerous the Joker is, you know. And it's a shame that this – had to happen to the Gordon family, but I think that that's the idea of the story, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So. You're about to I'm say, processing. is is Dad's new girlfriend prettier than me? Right. Um. Does she cut your crust the way that I do? I uh, I wonder. I wonder. Do you think it all needed to to happen though? I mean, why not just stop at Babs getting shot? Why did all of the the sexual assault and and stripping, humiliating Gordon like that have to happen? Nothing in a story has to happen technically. It's what the writer chose to happen and it's the story he decided to tell. It was supposed to show the lengths that the Joker would go to. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, what did you think about Batman? Batman's character. Um, do you do you like the idea that he he wants to rehabilitate Joker, but this 
this desire continues even after everything that happened. This is another thing that, like, I wish that we had recorded that phone call from yesterday because Donovan and I had a long talk about Batman's reaction here versus yeah, Batman's reaction in Death in the Family and <laughs> what the difference was. And, and it, it, it got very serious. Like, have you read Death in the Family, Stella? Yes. Okay, so, yeah, like there, he, there's no rehabilitation. He wants to kill the Joker and, you know, so we were talking about the difference here and I think that because there's not a dead body, you know, and not to say that, you know, sexual assault is not, you know, I'm not comparing sexual assault to death, but I'm saying how Batman's reacting to it, you know, like everyone has still survived and in Batman's mind, when he's rescued Gordon, this is a win, Gordon hasn't been driven insane, you know, like, th this is still a salvable situation. And the fact that Barbara is wounded, and, you know, like, and Gordon was almost driven mad, and, like, you know, the Gordons barely survived this. The fact that, that, that's even more reason for Batman to want to rehabilitate the Joker. It's like that, what he says at the beginning of the book, you know, like, we have to stop this before we kill each other. And he sees how close the Gordons were to death. And it's it's even more reason for him to say, you know, we have to stop this before it's too late. Now, that ending, there's been, I mean, there's been different interpretations over this. And when I was younger, I thought that it was like, um, my interpretation of the art was that um, when Joker tells the joke and Batman laughs for a second, he's not laughing like, yeah, that is kind of funny. He's laughing like, Ugh, because he, he's like, he's laughing like, I'm going to kill you. And that's and like and that he's like strangling the Joker when the cops show up, not killing him, but strangling him. And I thought that that was set up with Gordon saying, you know, I want him brought in by the book. And Batman like, you know, struggling not to like beat this guy senseless after what he did to his two friends, and then you know losing it at the end. My brother, who never knew any of the theories about you know like Batman kissing the Joker or killing the Joker or Joker killing Batman or Batman laughing. He thought that Batman killed the Joker when he finished the book, and he, like, sent me a text. Like, he was so ticked. He's like, that ending's BS. Batman kills the Joker. Now that I've been told that they're actually just, like, laughing together and his hands are on him because, like, they're almost falling to the ground, I don't like that as much. Maybe because, like, it goes against what I thought for many years, and maybe because, yeah, Batman laughing, you know, after all, is a little ridiculous, but... Not ridiculous enough to, like, you know, ruin the rest of the story for me, but it is something that um, I would probably frown upon. It's like when Batman laughs in Mad Love and, and Harley is, like, looking at him and starts to get really nervous and, like, saying, <laughs> you never laugh. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a much different scenario. Yeah, I should, I should think so. Don, do you have any questions for our esteemed guest? Questions? Because Josh and I kind of worked this out a lot yesterday. What do you say to his, like, um... You know, Barbara and Jim, are, they're at least alive, and later on Jason isn't. Do you have any response to that sort of, like, kind of comparison? Because I think it's an interesting point that's brought up. Um, comparison into, like, Batman's reaction to it? Oh, I was actually asking Stella. What <laughs> oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Donovan has been super rude uh, this entire time. Well, I mean, he corrected somebody's grammar already, oh. and now he's, like, cutting into your thoughts. I want to know what you said about me that made you have to <laughs> to me. Really it's been crazy. too much. It's like several comments inserted here and there. I can't summarize. No, just know that I love you, Josh. Uh, you mean that one person survived and the other... Listen, it would have been better if I think Baz had been killed 
then <gasps> to no, I mean she's not only carrying around being paralyzed, which could pretend like she could live with that. But the thought that she, I, I, I think that this is something you know, uh, rape victims live with all the time. I mean, to to live with that has got to be one of the single most difficult things ever. You'll hear that John Ostrander thought that, like, in terms of the act itself, it didn't make sense that she did survive. He thought that she should have been killed just by the nature of being shot where she was. Do you think maybe the Joker somehow, like, stopped the bleeding or cauterized the wound so that she would be alive and have to suffer? Well, I thought that jo- the Joker purposely meant to paralyze her because he's talking about, like, he's making the joke about the spines on the books and she can't move. Like, he's, he's talking specifically about what's happening to her. So I, 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 I never got the impression that he meant to kill her. That he legitimately tried to torture her and, and uh, paralyze her, but I, I never really thought the idea that like you know he tried to kill her and didn't, but whatever. Have you guys brought up the um, fact that this is the first? And Stella and I were texting about this, you know, like last week. This is the first time that like Batman admits that he's Bruce Wayne in front of. I almost said Stella in front of Barbara. I don't think I. I, don't, I meant to mention that. I don't think I did. We didn't. No, and I challenged Josh on that because I remembered a story where she was talking. Well, yeah. Well, he doesn't really admit, but just the fact that she knows that she. Well, but Bruce. he says Barbara, are you like it's me, Bruce, and she says Bruce because yeah. yeah, like we had in Batman Family, you can call me Babs if I can call you Dick. So she knew who they were, right? And she would say to like Dick Grayson, you know, oh, I know that you know you and Batman are Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. and. There's a scene before she has her stupid, you know, mind wipe, uh, yeah. where she teams up with Batman in the fight, Doctor Phosphorus, where yeah. like she could have, and Batman professes knowledge of who she is, but yeah. she never says Bruce or anything in that story. I like, yeah. I triple checked it. Yeah, I was remembering that. One. That was my challenge. Is I was like, I think in that story that she says Bruce, yeah. but yeah, but of course the Bertoni wins out. <laughs> well, well, well. I, I read that years ago on the internet, and I thought, like, there's no way that it never came up beforehand. And even in um, 526, Detective, All My Enemies Against Me, where she reveals that the mind wipe didn't work, yep. um, she only interacts with Dick Grayson in that story. So this is... I think she says to Batman, Batman, kill a croc, kill Jason Todd's parents, but he doesn't acknowledge her. Yeah, he's like, who are you? <laughs> Betty, <laughs> Betty Kane. Speak, speaking of which, yeah, like to add insult to injury, the For only me. Batgirl costume that you see in this story is Betty Kane's. Oh, yes, right. You didn't mention that. I think Stella's stunned with that fact. Yeah. The, the photograph that Batman looks at. So I just like, see that. Yeah. Yeah, that confusing photograph. Like, <laughs> what is that doing there? What is like who who? It was a pinup from an annual, but like, if that picture exists in continuity, who took that picture? Like, uh, and is Commissioner Gordon wondering why Alfred is like, you know, <laughs> with Batman and friends, and Batmite's there? Like, Batman and friends. The name of the book should be called not Batman Family, Batman and Friends. Yeah, like <laughs> the fun never ends. <laughs> Commissioner. Like, they're all like posing for the picture, and like after they snap, Gordon's like, "So, why is Alfred here? Why is Bruce Wayne's butler here?" <laughs> oh dear, that, that made me chuckle. I'm trying to think of other questions. We talked about there was one like really good question I came up with when Robert Bell was on, but now I've I have forgotten. Come on, like like uh, whether the violence was justified. I'm trying to go over just questions we talked about in general. Or the laughing at the end. Or I actually already we mentioned that. We talked about that, yeah. What are your thoughts, Josh, on the relationship between uh, Batman and, and Barbara here? 
you don't see much of it here. I like the fact that, like, you know, at this point in Batman's history, him, you know, like, hugging her and saying, you know, it's me, Bruce, that is the most, that is, like, one of the most tender things that a 1988 Batman can do. (coughs) You know, it's a real level of trust and intimacy, but... I was telling Don this earlier. When Barbara wakes up, her thoughts are not on herself. It's like, oh my gosh, my dad, he's crazy. You have to save my dad. And Jim Gordon's kind of like, you know, the focus of the story. Um, So we don't see much of his relationship with Barbara. Or even Batman, like, you know, reacting to Barbara. Or, you know, or saying to Jim when he rescues him, by the way, your daughter, you know, is fine. She's just not going to be, you know, playing hopscotch or anything anytime soon. And then, you know, he'll say, don't worry, Batman. The new 52 is coming in about 10 years. Do you or, recommend or t- or, everyone? Uh, not 10 years. Yeah, 25 what? years. Do you recommend everyone to read this book? I'd recommend specific people to read this book. I would not recommend Stella to read this book. i got to bleep out my own name. Oh, I would not recommend... Um, it doesn't matter. I'll bleep out. <laughs> uh, I would not recommend uh, Stella Bubba Moose to uh, read this book. Um, Kimberly Rockmore would probably hurl herself off the nearest bridge. <laughs> it's it, it would it be for very specific Batman fans. I w- I wouldn't give this book to a child. Hell no. Uh, you know, may- maybe a middle schooler, like a mature middle schooler or something, but uh, not a, not a child. Not eleven year old Ed Grouse. Oh, that's true. He said he was eleven when he first read it. I might have been oh, I might have been around that same age. I don't remember how old I actually was. Well, let's see. I was probably in sixth or seventh grade, and I I didn't understand a lot of a lot of the stuff. And yeah, it, it was a very heavy book. And and I was reading like year one at that point, and like I didn't understand the whole cocaine scene in year one either. Where, like, half half the stuff going on in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I read Dark Knight Returns when I was in first grade. That's when I first got, I was, it was given to me by my uncle, so <laughs> we've all been scarred, I imagine. Right. Okay. I, I don't know. I wish I remembered what my, it was, like, a really thought-provoking question, and <laughs> I'm not too sure. We, we Don and I, like, went around the bend last night, like, debating the merits of this story and, mm-hmm. like, Batman's reactions to the Joker. And, like, I, I did bring up that, like, uh, you said that, like, sometimes... C- certain things like have what to I, I, the whole women in the refrigerator aspect. Amarostella said that like I think that's when she first really felt it when she was reading this story. And I remember that you and I kind of like we were on opposite sides of the opinion of uh, whether this qualifies or not or this that and the other. Well, you you were saying that this didn't have to be Barbara, and I was arguing that it almost had to be because you had to get that reaction. Unfortunately, you had to get that reaction out of Gordon when he's on that ride. And I don't know who else they could have shown to get that reaction from Gordon, you know, uh, post-crisis. I mean, it, you could have brought back James Jr., I guess, at that point, but it... I didn't think about it. Right. Well, yeah, because Gordon, you know, uh, nobody knew if uh, his wife was dead or alive, as you're going to see in your next few, like, episodes. Like, uh, Jim Gordon's first wife, like, is dead and is alive. Like, it's inconsistent from appearance to appearance. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to... How many times do you think he went on that ride? I thought it was just the once. Same. I didn't reread the book in time for this, but, like, I've read it enough times that I, I know the book and I could, like, see the panels. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, like, he's at the end of the ride and Gordon... A Joker thought he was already going to be mad and he, that's why he was, like, getting in his face and everything. Well, any other highlights from your conversations without me? 
You wouldn't want to. You would want to be on yeah, that. Yeah, you did not want to be in these conversations. <laughs> let's not. Let's not pretend. Yeah. Did you like you. it overall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mommy. I'm sorry. And I, I just, you know, I want to know. She's never gonna replace you with in my eyes. <laughs> you and daddy couldn't work it out. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, what can I say? Always a pleasure. <laughs> Except for now, when you hate me. Well, I've only, I mean, people don't know this, but I'm actually a really good knitter. And each person that comes on that says, I really like this story, I've been knitting their name into my little scarf. And I'm not going to say what's going to happen. No, I'm just kidding. I can't knit. <laughs> I was going to say, you're proving the Berryman theory correct. That I should have. <laughs> um, hey, thank you so much for coming on, though. Yes, um... It, it it was a pleasure, if not a uh, slightly. I, I feel like I've been called to the principal's office, and I've been asked to explain. You know, like yeah. but w- when you're asking me how I feel about the Killing Joke, it's the same tone of voice you use when you say, "Are you gonna pick that up?" <laughs> you no, know, because if you eat a muffin super messy and crumbs get on the ground, <laughs> isn't it the most respectful thing to do to clean up after yourself? Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, why is that going to live on in infamy? It makes me seem like a terrible person. No, it makes you seem like a kindergarten teacher. No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm sure we, we're we going to talk soon. Very soon. And, um, yeah, take care. I'll see you on the other side of the country in um, a week and a half. Oh, that scares me. <laughs> okay. See you, Josh. Bye. Boo-doo. Well, how do you feel about him? How do you feel about him? I, I like him okay, but like... Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah, of course you do. You always choose him over me. If there's, a, you know, if there's a mom and dad divorced in this situation, it's you and I. And obviously, Josh, he goes to you. He picks the dad to have full custody. Are you still there? I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I, I I I know it's an insult, but like my brain's like trying to analyze through the data banks. In what <laughs> what aspect about you in your life did she just make fun of? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's, it's and it's not done yet. But I I'm not finding anything right now. I just yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, my last email, and then we're ending with the Batman himself. <laughs> uh, this is from Angela. I've been listening to your podcast regularly for three months now. I started with the archives, but decided to listen to new episodes as they were released. I'm very glad I did, since you're at the point where the show's title is accurate, the transition from Batgirl to Oracle. Barbara Gordon replaced Spider-Man and The Thing as my fit. Wow, this is, I'm like looking at a mirror. As my favorite comic book character a few years ago, but not as Batgirl. It was only when I discovered that a character I had previously thought of as Robinette had been transformed into a wheelchair using hacker superhero that I finally paid attention to Babs. This might have something to do with the fact that I happen to be a 20-something glasses-wearing manual wheelchair-using female computer geek. What can I say? It felt as if someone created Oracle specifically for me. But back to the podcast. Listening to the early episodes was very nostalgic. Hearing your optimism for the start of Stephanie Brown's run as Batgirl and the return of Birds of Prey while knowing that both would be over too soon was bittersweet. It was great to listen to your reaction to things like Stephanie's first issues and Hawk and Dove joining the birds. And I'm so glad you eventually learn how to pronounce Carmine Infantino without (laughs) setting every Italian-speaking person's teeth on edge. 
I thought I did a good, you know? She has a winking smiley face. Like you, I'd never read The Killing Joke before now. While I knew what happened, I didn't want to see my favorite character at the worst point in her life. But when I heard in the newer episodes that you wanted listener feedback on that story, I decided it was time to bite the bullet. Honestly, I'm conflicted. The comic raises several good points about the relationship, for lack of a better term, between Batman and the Joker. But taking a character who's been a hero for 20 years at this point, who's gone from being a librarian to a congresswoman and purposely crippling her for no reason other than so that the Joker can prove a point is reprehensible. And yet, if not for this reprehensible act, my favorite character would not exist. As I said, conflicted. Barbara Gordon is probably the most famous woman in the refrigerator after Gwen Stacy. In case your listeners are unfamiliar with this trope, it's when a female character is killed or maimed by a villain for the sole purpose of provoking the hero. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm getting close to the Gwen Stacy and it's making me, like, really super nervous. I'll have to go on Facebook silence again. What happened to her was senselessly violent, but both in the comic and in the real world. This being comic, the aftermath could have gone two ways. Babs could have been magically healed after a few issues, or she could have become a tragic character who was only wheeled out to cause Batman even more angst. But instead, the Ostranders chose a different path. They didn't try to cover up the horror of what had happened to Barbara, but they showed her struggle to overcome it. She had to find a way to return to life, while still dealing with her limitation, like a real person. That's what makes her special. In the comic book world of gods and aliens and Superman, she's a real person having to deal with real world consequences anyway thanks for the awesome podcast Stella I look forward to hearing you discuss Oracle Year One and other post killing joke issues and thank you to your guests for taking the time to answer our questions oh which is of course Barbara Kiesel that happens, it hasn't happened yet but sincerely Angela oh yeah any thoughts on that uh, well I like the fact that we, we finally have a, a, a female responder because this is a big like uh I think this is a story that, that would get a lot of female comic book fans' attention, so I'm glad that we have that uh, response represented, and I hope that she writes into you more. I agree. I agree. And thank you so much for listening and getting through the heavy breathing. You know, I'm always just very thankful that people have gotten through the heavy breathing episodes. You don't, you don't breathe that heavy. Well, think. it was just my mic. I was trying to figure out, like, what to do. I wasn't exactly sure. and. <sighs> Oh, it's better. You remember that one time? That was Josh. Remember that the the bad Robin commentary. commentary. So, would you believe? <laughs> I believe. <laughs> <laughs> would you believe the kingpin? Yeah. Well, I guess we better get this over with. <laughs> you hate everyone that loves you. I just no. I just kidding. No, I am so. I hope people know I'm joking. I mean, I just disagree with you, but I respect you all the same. I I. Huh? All that, all that, and more. Yes. Yeah, you bet. Let's see here. What do you think he's gonna sound like? Sounds like he always sounds like I imagine, unless he like has a voice modulator on. <laughs> Dustin, is that you? What's going on? Yes, it is. Oh my god! <laughs> like, oh, has something happened? Dustin, is this the first time you've ever been on my show? Yes, it is. Are you? He was on the last Colin show. Huh? No, I wasn't. No, he wasn't. He didn't think I was good enough by that. Uh, are you insulted that this is the first time you've come on? No. Okay. Uh, clicking away. Should I, I be? Oh, no. <laughs> Dustin, where are you calling from? And when did you first read The Killing Joke? And what were your first reactions? Okay, so I am calling from the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I first read The Killing Joke in about 1999. Um, it was about three years after I started reading comics, came across the graphic novel at a comic store, actually read it there in the comic shop, 
I own a first edition copy of it now. But uh, my first initial thoughts was, holy crap, I never knew that stories could be this intense. Compared to a lot of the stuff that I was reading at... Compared to a lot of the stuff that I was reading at the time, it was, it was, it was like way more advanced and complicated, and, and to a degree, I mean, with the stuff that happened with Barbara, and that kind of, and and her being shot, and then you know, uh, Joker torturing Commissioner Gordon with the pictures of her naked body. I mean, I was like, holy crap! I didn't realize that this stuff actually happened in comics. Um, up to that point, I had read Nightfall and I had read No Man's Land, but. Oh, that stuff doesn't go to that dark side of, you know, how dark and twisted the Joker actually was. Yeah. Do you like the story overall and, and, and why? Or if you don't, then that is completely fine. And welcome well, on this show. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, <laughs> as far as I do, I, I, I do like the story. Uh, I think it's an interesting, you know, story. It's, it's, a lot of people attribute it as an origin story for Joker, which in some ways it is. But a lot of people don't realize that there are probably at least six other stories that have been written over the course of you know the you know time frame that Batman and Joker have existed that that are different origin stories. Everyone says you know the Joker doesn't necessarily have a set origin, um, as they they said in the Dark Knights, you know. You know, he, he could have it could basically be multiple choice as far as what his actual origin is. This is just one of them. But the more significant thing that happens in here is it propels Barbara into something more than just being Batgirl. And that's not to say her time as Batgirl was was bad or anything like that. But I think it really develops the character into something so much more and so much more important to the DC universe than previously. You know, I, you know, I might get crucified here, but prior to this story, she really was part of the Bat family and appeared in Gotham, and that was about the extent of you know her being around. And after this story, all of a sudden, you started to see her as Oracle being dealing with other elements of the DC universe with the Justice League, and you know when they introduced her as this person who was really good with computers and could do all this stuff that. For some reason, nobody else at the time could do. It was really important for that to happen because we were just getting into this time frame of everything is changing technologically. Things can't be the exact same way as they were back in the '40s when a lot of these uh, a lot of these characters were created. So I think this story more develops her as a character probably more than anything else. Do you think now, uh, after everything's been said and done, that like uh, kind of looking back at it, I'm not sure when the last time you read the story, that the the violence in the story between what happens to Barbara and just generally the overall adult nature of it, do you think that that like and it might be easier to kind of imagine it in a Batman story considering how things are done these days, but do you think that that has a place in Batman comics? You know, like 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 shooting a woman, then undressing her, then photographing her, just showed her naked father like do you think that that's a bit too heavy or did that work for the story that they were telling i think at the time it probably was really heavy but i think that was part of the point was that it was supposed to be heavy uh i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were really trying to do something that you know you hadn't seen you know this was the same time frame where we saw you know the same time frame where we saw Watchmen come about we saw Batman Year One come about. We saw Batman the Dark Knight Returns. And a lot of that stuff was darker. And I think that for the most part, they were really trying to do stuff that was 
outside the box that would try to get a little bit more attention from adults. And I think this was one of the things that did that. I mean, I would probably, I'd put Killing Joke right alongside all those other titles or stories that I just mentioned because it was part of what changed that time frame. And I think that, you know, comparing it to the stuff nowadays, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff nowadays can be dark, um, can do a little bit more, but even to the degree of, you know, shooting somebody and then making her naked and taking pictures to, to torture the father of the, of the girl. I mean, it's just that stuff you don't see every day. It is something that I think is, is a little extreme, but I think they were trying to do something different. Originally the, the story itself, uh, Alan Moore didn't mean for this to actually be part of continuity. It was supposed to be out of continuity when he wrote it. At least that's what he has said in interviews. So, I mean, like the idea that, the story was just written. It was, it was probably supposed to be on the same lines of like the dark Knight returns where the dark Knight returns was, it could happen in continuity, but you know, it's happening so far in the future that it doesn't need to, you know, it's part of its own little thing. So they were telling a more adult story to get more of an adult attention towards the world of comics. What are your thoughts on the Batman characterization? Uh, do, Do you think, it makes sense that he would continue trying to get Joker rehabilitated even after all of this stuff happened. Well, see, the thing is, you know, we, we saw with uh, death, death in the family. We saw Batman literally wanting to try to kill Joker because of the death of Jason Todd and Superman kind of stepping in and saying, no, mm-hmm. don't do it. And... I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, in some ways, I think part of it has to do with maybe they were trying to show Batman as as not necessarily the person who's just going to take immediate vengeance. I do I think it's completely true? No, because I mean it it was around the same time frame that Death in the Family took place where he literally wanted to kill Joker because of the death of Jason Todd. So for Batman to try to rehabilitate the Joker, uh, I, you know, I don't really see that. I don't see Batman trying to rehabilitate anybody. Now, if you were to say the opposite and say Bruce Wayne uh, trying to rehabilitate some people, I could see that, but it would be to a certain degree. We've seen that with other people. Like we saw that with Harley Quinn and Streets of, or, Streets of Gotham. I think it, it was either <laughs> yeah. Streets of Gotham or uh, Gotham City Sirens, one of the two where Bruce Wayne was trying to you know, rehabilitate Harley Quinn to try to get her back into society. He vouched for her when she was, you know, doing something that looked like it was, I think she was, she went into a bank and everybody just automatically assumed that she was trying to rob it and she wasn't. And Bruce Wayne kind of stepped in and was like, no. So, I mean, like Bruce Wayne is a character. I think he is probably the one who's going to rehabilitate Batman. There's no room for rehabilitation. It's basically put him behind bars Get them into Arkham Asylum and let them do whatever they're going to do. It's not Batman's job to try to rehabilitate these people. Do you have thoughts on the ending, the meaning of the joke, and and what the laughing was all about? Well, honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. I never really understood it. I, to this day, don't really get the laughing or necessarily the joke itself. I think it's supposed to mean something about the fact that, like, in some ways, Batman understands the Joker because the Joker also has had one bad day, or the Batman's also had one bad day, but the laughing, I, that's like probably one of the most out of, char- out of character things. Gosh, well, I mean, have you heard the, uh, 
you, I'm, I, I, again, I think I know the answer to this, but have you heard like what's been said recently about when Grant Morrison's on Kevin Smith's podcast saying that like the ending implies that Batman may have killed the Joker? Yes, I, I did. I actually did listen to that interview, and I guess you know, in some ways, I, I guess you could look at it like that, especially with the time frame of when the story came out, dealing with some of the stuff that had happened. In the normal comics, I guess you could take it that way, but I don't necessarily think it – I don't believe that it directly does that though or infers that I should say. Mm-hmm. Is this a book that everyone should read? Is this a book everyone should read? I think if you're if you are a fan of the Joker or if you're a fan of Barbara Gordon, I think you should read it. What? You need to explain yourself. Are you serious? Because I regret it. I'm like, you know, my life would have been fine without reading this. As long as I know that she got shot at the Joker, she's paralyzed, she's Oracle. I think it would have been fine. Why do I, as a Batgirl fan, as Barbara Gordon fan, need to read this story? Because it's essentially the origin of Oracle. Oracle would have never existed without this story. So, yes, I guess, like, if you just knew, okay, Barbara was shot by the Joker, that, you know... That's that's that. It's the equivalent of okay, uh, Batman's parents were shot by some random person, and his parents were dead, and he's still alive, and you don't need to know anymore. But me being the person, I want to know all of the stuff about the origin. That's why I'm looking forward to the Gotham TV show, even if it has nothing really to do with the comics directly. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it because I want to explore that stuff that you know we really don't see explored. You know, I've said this before. You know, I, I'd like to see you know something take place where we deal with all of the training that Bruce Wayne dealt with before he became Batman, not just this, you know, you go from Batman zero year, which is the stuff that's happening with Scott Snyder right now to you got Batman year one with Frank Miller. You you don't really learn that much about it. It's basically you see the story of his parents dying and then it skips towards him coming back to Gotham and booting up to become Batman. And that's basically the gist of both stories. You don't really see a lot of the training aspect. And I'd love to see that because I think that's a huge part of the the character that, you know, you could sit there and say, well, oh, I learned this skill from so-and-so. Or, you know, we did see for a couple months, we saw these uh, backups in the back of Batman where you'd show him with, like, some random person that he was training with. But, like, I think there's a huge part of that aspect of the character. I mean, basically, from the time he his parents die to the time he becomes Batman or decides to become actually Batman and not necessarily, like puts on the costume but like from that until then there's probably at least at least 13 years and you don't there's not really that much explanation of it so with with that with barbara gordon at least you get you know you have her career as batgirl then you have her you have this main thing that happens with her becoming a completely different character when it comes to you know her you know essentially her superhero role She's no longer Batgirl, which happened prior to this happening, even though a lot of people obviously confuse mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. she was shot and she then became right. Oracle. She stopped being Batgirl, then she got shot, then she becomes Oracle. And I think it's a very crucial point for the character. And yes, as a as a Barbara Gordon fan, you're probably not going to be super thrilled with the fact that she's shot, it's shown, her father's being tortured with naked pictures of herself. I mean, it's... 
it's probably not something that is really going to make you all bubbly and really loving what's going on with Barbara Gordon in the story. But I think it is a crucial point for the character that a lot of people should read. I think it's interesting though because if you compare it to like other characters, like do you need to need to do you need to read the issue where they reveal Batman's origin story to know about Batman? Man, probably not. Do you need to read Amazing Fantasy fifteen to uh, to know about Spider Man? Take a take a take a shot. Yeah, um, you did that on purpose because I, I I mean I don't I don't I don't know if you do, but I would, I would recommend you do. So I think I think it can be a recommendation, but I'm not sure if it needs to be an obligation. I'm not going to say it's an obligation. I think it is something that I feel you should read, but I don't think you need to read it in order to know. If you know for a fact that the Joker shot Barbara Gordon, that's how she became Oracle, then you don't need to read it. But if you don't know the history of how the character became Oracle without someone telling you, I think you should read it. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's a good uh, point to yeah. kind of have it, have it at the end. Yeah, I think so. Dustin, tell us where you are. I, I That was rude of me. I didn't even tell you who you are to people. Who are you, Dustin? My name is Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're As I said, wig. I live in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, but you're a big wig. What do you do? How do I even know you? When they already know. I, I think you can explain how you know me, Stella. Would that would you? probably make more sense. Well, that's hard. I don't know. But Dustin's in charge of the Batman universe, and he took a little podcast known as Batgirl Oracle, and, and he, he gave it some, some boost, and uh, here we are. So you can find him all over the place on Batman. The BatmanUniverse.net. Yes. So I hear from you, Dustin. I don't hear from you as much. Do you have anything to say to uh, Dust, uh, Donovan now that he's here? That, you know, he betrayed us or anything like that? What? Don't, uh, don't do that. Well, no, I, I don't really have anything. I mean, Donovan's obviously still around. It's it's not like, you know, he left and said peace out and that was it. Obviously, he's still on your show, which is yeah. still part of the Batman Universe family. Yeah. And he does the commentaries. He produces the commentaries for the the, the site. Yes. So I have no ill feelings, despite the fact that everyone wants to scream betrayal all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you bet I do. Uh, well, thank you so much, Dustin. I know that you're a busy man, so I appreciate no you problem. taking the time to come on. All right. It was great to be on. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Adios. Oh, I should have said peace out. That would have been a nice coda. Whatever. Well, you know... Besides the like intense desire to go to the bathroom, um, I have to. Throw I am like emo- none. Yeah, sure. Um, I am emotionally drained. How do you feel? I feel that like in terms of like this kind of stepping towards your podcast, it was about as epic as uh, one could have hoped for, especially with John Ostrander. And I think that like we've talked it, to, we've appropriately talked this story to death. Yeah. And I'm satisfied. I'm personally satisfied as a listener, and as a fan, and as a friend, and as a, uh, a special guest. Which I, I was honored to, to be asked to do it. I was actually kind of taken aback to be asked on here. And I think that, like, uh, my personal opinion, we, we uh, did this event justice. Yeah. Well, I felt it was fitting since it was probably the last time you'll be on. <laughs> that why not? You know, put you on. And I have to say, since I've been knitting this entire time, it's a pretty long scarf. That I've been uh, a Doctor Who scarf. Who who who? Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I guess so. I'm still. You know, I, it's still a trouble. It's not like I've gotten to any good place with the story. You know, but I think that I like the discussion that we had. Uh, just really analyzing and, and talking back and forth. I'm glad we disagreed because I think to say to to have it be one sided wouldn't have been I think as well rounded a discussion. And and I love that people wrote in and called in and. 
Hey, Donovan. Mm? Thank you so much. No, I really, you know, I appreciate you. Are you sure? Y yeah. And, you know, no matter, I hope people know that um, no matter what I say about people on this show, that I love them. So, uh, no, I am so appreciative that you came on. I mean, you made my life easier, certainly, and, and you, you made oh. it more fun. Because I, I was, like, going into this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. Are we going to get into a fight? Is this going to be a terrible experience? But, you know, we were able to joke through it, which I was, I was not really sure we were going to be able to do. So I'm glad that you brought some brevity to it. I think, yeah, worst case scenario, it would just be a, a dour and, and miserable show. So I was hoping yeah. that, like, uh, we could talk it out while, as, at the same time having fun with it. Okay. Well, I guess this is it. You've got to go do some important stuff. I don't, but it's important to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll talk to you later, and thank you again. Do you want to say the, uh, the, the final, final lines? Do you remember love? No. <laughs> thank you very much. Fly on, Babs lovers. Fly on. I do really have a desire to strangle you. <laughs> I wanted one minute reference in there before. I can't believe you. <laughs> you always edit it out. Why can't we have a normal relationship? I don't know. It's your fault. You're the one that always like puts me on blast and says, "Oh, Josh, I can't. I don't talk to this guy." Josh, how are you doing? <laughs> That's because I'm I'm a lovable person. And people find that endearing. Your hypocrisy? Yeah, exactly. Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. I love a happy ending, don't you?
girlfriend's on. <laughs> Let's not do that. Oh boy, what's ask her? What's what's no. up? Oh. <laughs> the answer is no. Okay. I wasn't really angry. I was just I was just saying repeatedly no. No. Now I know how you really feel. You're embarrassed to know me. Nah, that's not true. There was hesitation. I must prefer your company. This is being recorded. I know it is, but it's not going to be We got the controls. <laughs> the Jesse. The Jesse. You guys can finally meet. Well, he. it's funny because um, when he contacted me, he's like, hey, it's Jesse. Donovan's better co-host. Co what? Co-hosting. <laughs> Betrayed like, all around. I bet you are. There are some, I I remember we did feathers and something feathers and capes, so. The hell was that? <laughs> 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 this, this is oh, bloopers. No. Oh goodness! It was that shortwave podcast I did. Which, really? You're kidding me. On Justice League. The you and who League. else? Um. Was it Walter? Robert was there and. Oh man, a guy from Crawl Space. That yes, Walter. Oh my God, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Holy crap! Holy okay. Crap. Do you want to start? J Jason said he needs some. He needs to sooner better for him. So, can I? Do I just go on him? <laughs> it sounds dirty. Do what now? Just <laughs> go on him like what? Like you already used bathroom. <laughs> Just, we're just going him. I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh my gosh! I need to control myself before we take a car. I'm recording this as well, so. I yeah, I bet you are. Okay. So <laughs> God bless. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm just gonna go like this. See if ooh is it. Do I have to eject him, you think, from the, uh... Uh, you can remove him from the, this call right here. Remove from, con no. Like, no. like, right, right, right click. Oh, yeah. And right there, you go. there you go. Oh, I, you this, is how, this is how you do it on Skype, listeners. <laughs> well, it makes me nervous, because I want it to be, like, a continuous thing, so. Well, we'll get through this. We'll muscle on through it. I hope so. Hello? I'm Sarah. No, I was talking to nobody in particular. Um, uh, Where it, it, are you, John Ostrander? Why can't I find you? Uh, I don't know why this is so hard. Uh, <laughs> I know, because. He needs to add you as a contact. Add Batgirl to Oracle. Ooh, okay, word. he just found something. I don't know where he got this from, but. We're, we're, here we go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, no, I don't want his phone number. That would make me nervous. I, I, honestly, that's, it's, it's one way or the other, Stella. <laughs> I know. I... <laughs> 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 okay. Let's add this to contacts. Mm -hmm. Something. It's me. And then, is he online? I can't tell. It's I'm ready. He, he, he would be. <laughs> I'm surprised Kevin the Cushing um, isn't, you know. He, he said he had to work. 
Because I, I, told, I told him about it. You know, betrayal at every turn from that guy. I know, that's why you can always count on me, not him. Let's be honest. That's not true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, we're... Okay. Oh, wait, add to group call. Yeah, go. Oh, no. Does that mean he doesn't? What's going on? Wait, why is this happening to me? Sometimes. Add to group call. And I... Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> why does this... Just add. Just go. What? Yeah, call Skype. My goodness. Things are always complicated, and I don't like it. And Adam and then Colin. It's a lot of people in this in this one uh, person. Who thunk for a podcast that's trash as you thought it was? Does he oh. have this problem when you podcast with him? Every now and then. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> great. Thanks for warning me, oh podcast host of mine. He might be. He might be. I might be on his safe on his side. Uh, okay. Do you Hello? think? <laughs> is this gonna work? Um. No. <laughs> as he drops. Uh, well, we can just like get cut to the chase and uh. Cut to the chase. We can't even have him on for five seconds before it drops off. He Help. may be doing the uh, Skype by phone. Or I'm not sure. Oh, you mean on iPhone? Do you think we have to tell him to text chat? Let's see. Should you? Oh, like restart or something. That's what I meant. Sorry. Restart Skype. Yeah, I don't know. What's going on? Should I call somebody else in the meantime? I don't know that, that humongous built up. hope not. Because um, the continuity would be messed up? Uh, people people will understand how things go. Uh, yo. Hello. I guess. So your mom's singing. <laughs> Is she like outside your door? Maybe she's listening. She's like walking if past the done. door. Oh. Like sort of like 70s song that no one knows. <laughs> it's probably Michael Jackson. Um, is it It's Rainy Men? I mean, I just wonder. Like, I'm trying to picture this all happening. You have a show to do. You have more important things to do than worry about well, what Carrie Morgan Grant's doing. Don't you think that she's an interesting character in your life? Yes. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so, so are you. Uh, oh, wow. That That's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me. It is? <laughs> It was such a long road from the scar of the killing joke to Barbara being restored as Batgirl. Huh? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe he meant Oracle. It was, oh. but it was it that long though. It was such a. It was, say, say, say the sentence again. He said, "This is the sentence." It was such a long road from the scar of the killing joke to Barbara being restored as Batgirl that I couldn't quite get on board with her musings about perhaps being better off without the book. Uh, maybe he meant Oracle. Maybe he meant Batgirl at Bat. Uh, when I too. said that, yeah, that I should can- cancel. So maybe the fact that, like, it's healing to have her back as Batgirl. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, Glenn, since we're you should you should um, write back in just so we can be sure. Write but, back and, right this second. <laughs> he's not gonna hear. How is that gonna happen? Girl, girl, G I R O L. That's why I don't. Hello. What happened? Did he press mute? Um. I think he might be muted. We can't hear you, Ed. He says yeah, still on. Yeah. Oh, I'm seeing there's a problem with this call. Um, I don't see that. 
Oh, yeah, Ed's, Ed, Ed, might be, Ed might be booking. Oh, it's just as well, because if he agrees with you, I don't want to hear him. You know what? You're a terrible person. <laughs> Stop saying that over and over again. Well, I only speak the truth, like the sitar in Moulin Rouge. Is the, is the person in the group Rock Thur 61 still with us? No, I call me? Yeah, are we are we on now? We missed you mid thought. I don't even know what it was. The middle of the road. Because the thing is, and then like there's nothing else. It was, all I was saying was. <laughs> I I texted him earlier saying like we're about to bring you up, and he said of course. You know we have a friend in common besides you and emu um, at Bushfire. Keep on comparing me to an animal. It's just an emu. Um, wrong button. Is that? Uh, no. no. Right Weird. Calling you up now. The green room shouldn't be, should it? Why is the green room calling? I don't uh, know what it is, is it? I can't see uh, everyone. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I called him individually. What the? Oh my goodness. Yeah, what? 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 <laughs> I don't know. What are you doing here? I don't think What, you know. what are you? Uh, why is Why is the whole green room here? No, that's not. It's not. It's, it's just the three. The three of us are getting together again. Oh, that's what you mean, because you saw their names. No, it's just Don and I. Yeah, it's just like Jason, Ed, and everyone's calling you. I'm like, who hit the green room call button? <laughs> and I'm like, and, and I didn't answer. I was like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not. Gonna. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Oh man, I mean, because any of them can hit join call at any moment. I think. Okay, enough of the deep, thoughtful, somewhat pretentious stuff. Now onto some questions for your special guest. Uh oh. Huh? I don't know. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> oh, 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 oh no, I know exactly where it goes. That's fine. It's Barbara Kiesel. Huh? It's a Barbara Kiesel interview. Then. Oh, uh, I, I thought <laughs> I, I was. I was having like like doors to take my clothes like... off and bring me the Joker. <laughs> You know what's interesting though is I'm thinking of like all the things I've messed up like today, and like, huh? I mean, should I leave that in there? Should I like point? They're clearly things that I will cut out, but just like weird things that like Jesse's call getting dropped three times, and like no. I'm just wondering like, what should I? Leave? Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay. I guess I'll split this up into two episodes because who wants to listen to a five-hour podcast? How much? Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you, are, you are a terrible person. What? That's what they, they had like a Batman episode, like like when the Dark Knight came out. That was like seven hours long. You need to get over whatever you got, like whatever problem you have with him. It's not. It's, it's not. That's nothing to do with. That's nothing to do with him at all. It does. It does. Don't you dare! Quit squealing! <laughs> Every you, you have to bring something up about. I feel that like like if we were in the same room, you'd be like 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 throwing your fists at me, and I'd be like kind of holding you off. I would be strangling you, and I'll probably keep that in. I'll just have to bleep out what you just said. I wasn't no, I wasn't, I wasn't like disparaging. I was just mentioning that like those long shows. Was that? Yeah, but the way you said it was an offhanded comment. Okay, fair enough. Oh, my word.